Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 91 of Beer and Artists, the podcast adjunct series. We are back this evening. I have a glorious co-host and a brewer been wanting to talk to you for a hot minute. I'm just going to bring everybody right on in, y'all. Please welcome Cam and Joe from Willabold, and of course, Nate from Nathan Does Beer. <laughs> welcome, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for hanging hey, fellas, out. How are you doing? Yes. Great. How are you guys doing? Delightful, goddammit. Yeah, uh, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, awesome to have you guys here, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, like we're saying, big fans of everything you're doing. Excited to uh, to get into the story and uh, hear all about how it happened, man. So uh, appreciate y'all. And Nate's obviously back in the building. We're going to run in the next uh, few weeks. Uncle Nate's holding me down, so uh, very cool. Um, so we're going to start off with this bad boy right here. Let's get that in there. The export lager. Yes, look at that glorious looking can. There it is. Love it. <laughs> Tell us about this one, fellas. Um, yeah, man. It's, Cam, you want it? It's just a beer. Yeah, yeah, I'll go for it. Yeah, um, you know, this is a beer. When we kind of started out, we knew we wanted to brew a lot of hoppy beers um, just based off of Joe's uh, brewing uh, history. And he'll get into that, I'm sure, as we as we go on. Yeah. But um, we also wanted to balance that out with a, a healthy amount of lager. So we started taking a look at, you know, what do we like to drink? One, uh, which is pretty much everything. So that doesn't narrow it down a ton. And then we said to ourselves, okay, well, what doesn't exist currently kind of out there? So, you know, looking through the different lagers in the young tarot craft beer market, um, we hadn't really seen a lot of loggers over the kind of 5.5 mark. I mean, you might argue that historically there hasn't been a huge market for it, and it's been relatively niche, but we thought it would be a really cool opportunity as a new brewery with really nothing to lose to do a style maybe that's a little bit outside of the norm. So that was kind of like the idea for it, and it's since kind of become a staple at the farm really and something that people have come to look to from our brand so it's oh, uh really? it's grown nicely it's cool oh yeah first of all yeah. cheers guys great to meet you both yeah. cheers yeah, then yeah. look at how cl look at how clear that is you can see my face right through it <laughs> <laughs> you actually can okay amazing so an export lager is that like is that just the like you know, there's like export stouts and stuff. Is export lager a style, excuse my ignorance, or is it just kind of like a ramped up lager as far as the intention here? Well, I think like a, there's like the, the Dortmunder lagers in, in Germany, and it was kind of a riff on that. And okay. I, I think also too, like, we, we joked around about like Molson having their export beer and how that was like kind of something, you know, we'd steal from like our dads or like our friends' dads' fridges growing up before uh, maybe we were allowed to actually purchase alcohol. And so we're, yeah, I guess like Cam was saying, like we wanted to do loggers and this kind of started as a bit of a, like a joke, I guess a little bit, mm -hmm. um, or like just a gag, a gag between us. We're like, Oh, wouldn't it be funny if we, if we did something like this and then, yeah, like Cam was saying, it's kind of turned into a staple now for us and something 
we've rebrewed probably more than any other lager we've I think we've made so far. Wow, it's um yeah. the hiding of the alcohol. I mean, obviously it's not huge at six five, but in a, in this type of style of beer, normally I, you know, you can tell like you would sip this, but damn, that's strong. Um, this is glorious. I would never have known if I if I didn't see it. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's funny because like I've had this uh, the, this export logger a few times now, and um, I don't think I ever noticed that it was six five until Cam just said that. Now, um, <laughs> like that, you guys were thinking there aren't many like loggers above like the five point five uh, mark, but uh, but yeah, six five. I like I never realized that before now, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and yeah, like it's got. Um, it's got a good bit of uh, uh, like of sweetness to it, kind of mm. like in the uh, like in the way a Hellas would, um, but uh, the, the like but probably maybe a bit amped up a little bit because this is probably on average going like a full percentage point higher than uh, like than your typical Hellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's. Uh, you know, too, is the other thing, you know, we were kind of looking at is going back to talking about, you know, market fit, because that's a big thing that we try and consider when we're putting beers out there. This beer in particular, we kind of took a step back and be like, okay, well, people are really into big beers right now, but there's no big lagers. And Mm -hmm. if I was a craft beer drinker, how do I get a craft beer drinker a little bit more interested in lagers when they're not quite getting the same uh, love I would say uh, across the board as like big hazies and stuff do uh, is let's put it over proof. Let's throw it up there at six, six and a half percent and see if we can get a little bit more buying and then coax a few more people into it. And that was kind of the, that was, that was also like a definitely a consideration. When we're making this. I love it. Yeah. Cool. Totally. Even the market was the like, um, what, what was so was the label here uh, they, like we like we can take another look at that um, was that like kind of inspired by like uh, like a German uh, like export uh, like kind of macro sort of look because that's kind of what it makes me think of was that what you were driving at or was that uh, like or is that uh, kind of coincidental or something else. So it's kind of a mix. I would say that it's – you can go ahead, Joe, if you want. You can tell it. No, no, no. Go, go for it. Okay. So we found this, like, 50-year-old uh, – 40, 50-year-old uh, Molson Export uh, can <clears throat> that was really dope. It had these really awesome vertical – or sorry, horizontal, like baby blue lines and really nice, like metallic printed on this like really old school stock on the old school cans that you have, oh, that you know, cool. like the pry top. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it had this almost like hexa- hexagonal, um, image on the front and it had a ship and it, 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 it's been altered many times over the years, but it's essentially what became the modern export label with like the big sea ship on it, sail ship on it. Um, and so we said, okay, so we're covering our asses here. Let's maybe look through the trademarks and make sure that we're not actually <laughs> infringing on anything here. And I can tell you that it took a couple modifications to make sure that we weren't because <laughs> the first one looked awfully close, but uh, <laughs> yeah, where it ended up was kind of, uh, 
you know, inspired by that. And that's definitely the style. It does have that old school look, but I would mm. say that was more likely the result of that company at that time trying to make it look like an import beer. Mm. And us, so us indirectly totally. pulling that out. So interesting. Cool. Even like the gold bars with the gold, uh, super classy with the gold, like top part. Like it's a, it's, it's a small details. I, don't, I feel like I don't see the colorful tops very often. It's pretty rare and it just it stood out immediately. So well done. Yeah, this is, this is just really well executed beer. I'm not surprised it's uh, the one you brewed the most. So that's money, boys. I love it. Um, so I'd love to hear about the beer history. Like I'd love to hear how both of you got, you know what I mean, how you met, how you both individually kind of got into beer and then how that kind of birthed the, the company. Yeah, I'm gonna let Joe go first because his brewing background is far more exciting than ours. And to be quite honest, had it not been from Joe, I, myself and our other business partners probably wouldn't be in beer either. So it's probably important for him to just kind of lay out his his path, and I can just kind of build on when I came into the picture. Perfect. Yeah, so I uh, I went to university in Wisconsin, um, which is already a big like beer drinking state in itself, and. I stayed there my third year throughout the summer and got a job bartending, first bartending job, um, which ended up being at like a big craft beer bar, like 40 taps. Um, hadn't really been drinking much craft beer at that point. And yeah, just kind of really was getting into it and went to a local brewery, um, just kind of next town over and went there, met the brewer there hadn't done any real homebrewing or anything. And he had mentioned he had gone to a school in Chicago, Siebel. And I was like, Oh, that, that sounds pretty cool. Like I'd love to learn more about that. And then did a few homebrews. They turned out not super great, but just loved the process and loved drinking and kind of just loved everything <laughs> about the, about the industry. And I was like, okay, well I was studying uh, like business economics, like a finance economics degree in school. I was like, hey, I don't really want to do this when I graduate. Like, what do I actually want to do? And applied for some courses at Siebel, um, was accepted, got in, and then ended up going back for their like master brewer program. Wow. So graduated graduated university. And half the program is in Chicago, and then the other half is in a school called Domans in Germany. So did that program, and yeah, just applied for um, a job as soon as I was leaving the program, ended up working at Jolly Pumpkin That's in Michigan it. for two years, was yeah. really into like mix, was really into mixed fermentation beer. Um, got super, super fortunate. Uh, there was no job posting, but just sent an email and it worked out there. One of the brewers was leaving for paternity leave when I applied. So yeah, I got super lucky. So I was there for two years. Um, absolutely loved it. And then at that time I had some friends that were living in the UK and I found out about the, uh, Commonwealth visa that Canadians under 30 can apply for like a, a two year visa. No, no real hurdles to get. I think you just needed like, he's going to be under in a bank account. Yeah. That's yeah. how I, that's how I came here. Too. So, Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, told my boss there I was like I'm you know I kind of want to explore and travel a little bit and seems like a cool opportunity and he was amazing and 
made some phone calls and set me up with a job over there at a beaver town um, at the time. So yeah, went over there and that was amazing. I, so I lived in London for a year, grew in there and have, have a lot of friends over there and still ended up moving right before the sale, which kind of turned a little bit of an exodus there. So there's not many people that I worked with that are still currently there. Um, yeah, so I was there for a year. Uh, prior to moving to the UK, I met the owner of um, Monkish down in California. So we had a, a relationship for a long time back when they were still making like Belgian beer even before or any of the hazies or anything. Uh, so I was over there in the UK, kind of maybe looking to make a transition and he was looking to hire someone. So uh, I have the opportunity to still live and work in the US. So I was like, okay, well, let's move back to California. My parents had moved there in like 2010. So I had experience living on and off there. Um, yeah, so moved back to California, worked there for a little over a year, primarily making hazy beer now, not so, much, not so much the Belgian stuff that they originally started making. And then, yeah, I, another connection I had made when I was living in the UK was a couple guys in Denmark that were looking to expand on their brewery. So timing worked out. I kind of wanted to move back to Europe to just be more in that lifestyle and yeah, just be, just dive back into that kind of culture. I had a lot of friends over there still and miss a lot of people over there and they were looking to hire someone. So move, move back there, worked there for about a year. Like during this time, Cam can get into more of the details about the origins of Willibald, but um, it's, Cam and I, and then two other guys, Jordan and Nolan, who are brothers, we all grew up together, went to high school together. They had the distillery going. We had talked about having a brewery at some point. It was just kind of based on timing, what what worked out best for everyone. So kind of when I, or when I was in Denmark, we really started talking about getting the brewery going because the guys were getting into a position where maybe timing was right to take on another project. And yeah, so I was in Denmark for a year, kind of I'd say the last six months, we were kind of planning the project, getting the business plan going and everything. And then, yeah, moved back April, 2018. And I think for 2019, sorry. And then we got the brewery, I think first beers were released end of October, 2019. Kind of just, just before we we started just we started just before COVID basically, but then going into like the slow season as well. So, uh, no, yeah, but that's kind of the the whole my whole backstory, and then kind of the origins of the brewery, I guess. But Willowball had already been kind of around for a few years prior to that. Um, yeah, and it just kind of worked out perfectly. Love it. I guess. Yeah, I don't know, like. Yeah, I guess, Cam, you want to talk more about, yeah, I guess, yeah, your story, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Will, yeah. Will Evolve in general, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, mine, mine was, yeah, mine was a little different. Um, you know, I went to school for environmental studies, geography, 
did a postgrad in environmental science and engineering. I had done that in high school too. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, this is what I'm doing the rest of my life. My last semester, I'm like, if I do this for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to kill myself because I, this is just not what I want to do. This is just like, not at all. As uh, you get old and you get towards your trainings, you're like, oh man, do I really want to do this? Nah. And so I didn't. <laughs> at, luckily at that time, uh, Jordan, one of our business partners who, like Joe had mentioned, we all grew up together in this little town of air. He had reached out to me and said, hey man, you know, let's go for a beer. Went out for a beer thinking it was just a beer and catching up with an old friend. He's like, hey, I have this idea. I want to start this distillery. I'm like, dude, this sounds wild. And I don't know anything about that, but I'll sweep floors. I don't care. That sounds so cool. I'm so down. And so, you know, three and a half years of planning and uh, organizing, building, um, we were able to open the distillery. That was in 2017. And again, the whole time, kind of keeping in touch with Joe. And obviously, we're big. We're in the alcohol beverage space. I mean, I guess that's not obvious, but um, we loved craft beer, you know, and Joe coming home and bringing us all these treats from Jolly and from Monkish. It's like, how do you not, how do you not love that? You know? Yeah. Um, so getting exposed to that side of, of the industry and spending time visiting him in Ann Arbor and, and Dexter and doing all these things in LA, um, was just really cool. And then, you know, we started talking about Joe potentially moving back. He had enjoyed his time in Europe, but we had talked about, you know, um, opening the brewery and adding on to the distillery. We had space within the existing structure. And we just said, you know, if we don't do it now, it may never happen. And, you know, it's a good way to promote both brands. Cause at that time too, the spirit, like our spirits industry was fine, but you know, it's, Craft spirits is much smaller uh, in Canada than craft beer is. Right. And so there's a lot less hype. Um, it's a lot harder to get a brand going because you have such so few avenues to really sell through. Uh, and also you're competing against like Tanqueray and these big brands. The spirits mm -hmm. industry is a whole other beast. Anyway, so we thought that, you know, the beer was a great opportunity to add on and do some more fun, creative stuff and not get bogged down by all the challenges of spirits that really takes away any from the creativity and the fun of it, which beer, obviously, you know, once we were able to get the brewery in and we had someone in Joe uh, who we could trust and who was a friend and also had that resume <clears throat> to bring in, then it was like, okay, like all we, we can do all these cool creative things that we thought spirits were going to be that maybe became way more challenging mm -hmm. and we can really harness our passion for beer as well. And it's kind of a win-win. So we just went for it. That's amazing, man. I mean, that's a, I mean, that kind of explains everything to me now. I feel like, all right, that's why the beer is so like A1 from the beginning. Like when you got a resume like that, that's insane. I've never heard anything that like that. Like I've been to most of those breweries, like, in, and it, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty insane. So uh, that's crazy, man. That's really, really cool. So the spirits is still, was, was the primary business and then you just added the craft beer and now what, where is it sitting? Is it kind of 50-50 or is the beer kind of taking over or where is it at now? Well, uh, you know, the beer <clears throat> has grown so much quicker than the spirits ever did. Um, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's just the community around craft beer is just so much stronger, um, among other things. And obviously the quality of the beer, not to say that the quality of the spirits 
is not there. No one works very hard at it and we all do together. And like, I'm stoked mm. with what we put out so far, but the craft beer community is just so, they're just constantly in the search of the new thing and what else is out there. And um, even if you're on a little farm in air, uh, hey, you know, like people have been willing to drive out and seek it out where you don't always see that with spirits. So rarely do outside of like, say whiskey, right? right. So uh, I would say I could easily see beer overtaking spirits in the next couple of years just you know there's that strong community support you know yeah no i love it has um i feel like you guys are like a um like w- would you say like you sort of like a self-contained thing i feel like i i like i was you you guys felt like to me a like a, a best kept secret type of thing like this insane beer that i feel like i'd heard about from different people because my partner has a wine account so i remember the um I think it was the guys at, at uh, Rosewood, like Will and, and Ryan, were um, telling telling us about you guys, and it might have even been for the spirit side, to be honest. I'm like, okay, cool, mm-hmm. like you know, people. That's what it was. Yeah, I remember that now. So then, you know, I remember hearing about the spirits early on, and then you know, maybe Nate, because Nate's in Ottawa, and then I guess the the beer store started getting stuff out there. Nate, is that how you got hold of it, or did you like order it? Um, well, yeah, and this uh, this is going to lead me to like to one of the questions that that, that I had because um, one uh, like my first taste of, the, like of your guys' stuff was a bit earlier on when uh, like when you were uh, doing shipping around uh, shipping around the province, which uh, like what you had for like what you had for a little bit, and then uh, like and then I, I think at one point you guys made the decision to uh, like to cut that off. Um, and that, uh, like, and then, uh, it, like, thankfully, it was uh, like that came at a time when, uh, like, the indie bottle shops were start, like, were really starting to pick up steam, yeah. and uh, you guys regularly got your stuff into Dominion City, which made it, uh, uh, like, and you still regularly do, which makes it pretty easy for me to get uh, uh, to get your stuff a lot of the time, but. Um, uh, like I said, but that brings me to one of my questions, though: is what uh, what was the driver behind that decision to uh, uh, like to pull back on the province-wide shipping? I think, like, yeah, we, you know, <clears throat> yeah, Joe, Joe, please, this is all, this is you, so have at it. Oh no, I mean, we like. I think at first we were having some success with it, and then it kind of became an issue with like Canada Post with COVID, like just being so backed up and. And everything, and we, I think it was we were heading into the just the warmer months, and we were having issues with cans taking longer than like estimated delivery dates, and yep, it's like it. We were we were also, I mean, we still are like we were a pretty small team, and it was just especially with like the the distillery, the brewery, the restaurant, like there's a lot of different moving parts and it was taking a lot of effort, like from, from parents and everything, just helping boxing up orders. And, and yeah, the packing and shipping is a lot, like is a lot of physical effort, right? Yeah. And so, you know, too, like, like from like February, we had like maybe 10 online orders all month. The end of March, we had 1200. So it's like not a small jump. It was like, (laughs) Every every person who wasn't working and it was free was there, printing orders, packing boxes. You know, like you name it. It was like everyone, like four personal vehicles on the road doing. It was it was wild. Just to wow. add some context <laughs> to this. 
But, wow, mean, that is a bonkers yeah. increase in uh, the, the, like in orders. Wow, I'm, it's like twelve. Yeah, no, like, like no, no kidding. That would have been overwhelming to uh, to stay on top of. And yeah. and yeah, that's I mean, a good that, still- that, that's a good that's a good point too with the, the like with the Canada Post thing because around the time when you guys started that, uh, that like like you were saying, literally. Um, like February 2020, and then as soon as March hits, like everyone is just, like is ordering from everywhere, and Canada Post is completely bogged down. And you definitely yeah. don't want that, um, like don't want beer, um, like just kind of sitting on a warehouse shelf or sitting on a truck for uh, like upwards of a week, week and a half, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like it's still something we talk about quite often. Like we definitely want to be able to ship province wide. It's just finding a system that works for us and um, that, that we're happy with. I mean, it's something we're constantly talking about. We, we're getting pretty good distribution with some delivery services around the area, and we're trying to work with them as well to kind of increase their, their areas. But, uh, yeah, it, ultimately, if, if, we can, if we can go back to shipping and delivery times and everything is – kind of where where we want it then yeah that's we, we'd love to uh to be able to do that again and to offer that service because yeah. i mean yeah we're we're not easy to get to for sure so ordering through the, through the mail is it would would be amazing i wonder if you could do like how third moon does it where it's like one day a week or one whatever it is so like it's not every single day people can place an order you've got this one shorter window that maybe people know yeah. about and then you you can kind of restrict the volume that you even sell, so people know that it's sort of like a first in type of thing. And then they've still got the opportunity, like you know, the the stores have probably changed the game for you guys too, then I imagine, because it almost mm-hmm. almost solves the problem. Yeah, and that was kind of a trade off in time. We're like, okay, these bottle mm-hmm. shops are kind of picking up, so if we can focus on getting supply to them and rely on their cold storage, then we can utilize that and maybe that'll at least scratch some of that itch again obviously yeah. not a straight squab um you know and the other thing just taking a, a big step back from this ontario is a, actually a massive province and with yeah. actually terrible logistics <laughs> when you think about it um and it really <clears throat> hasn't been until the last eight months that some places have come on like phil delivery which is backed by burdock and a couple and um, Ontario small batch is another one. Um, up until that, there weren't a lot of people focused on it. And carriers like ICS and Campos, like we would get photos of bags that arrived, bags of beer that we sent in a box. And it was just, <laughs> it looked like this Ace Ventura had had its way with it. Like it was like that. It was just like a total disaster. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are we doing? You know? <laughs> Yeah. So, and it's not so much a quantity issue either. See, it's like, it's it like getting the amount of packages out isn't the problem. It's reliable delivery where I can tell my customer I'm going to have it to you on this date, and it's going to be within a reasonable time frame where we don't have to worry about these double, triple IPAs that really deserve to be refrigerated constantly. Have to worry about you know, any de- degradation quality, because once it gets to the mm. consumer and they crack it, right, that's a reflection on us, regardless of what the carrier did. 
you know, that yep. like people don't look at it like that. And mm. that's a big missing piece to this is like how they handle it. They could negatively affect us, but we're the ones left dealing with that, not the carrier. Mm. And so just to eliminate some of that, that was kind of an active choice as well that played on. Yeah. That makes complete sense. I feel it was interesting you said ICS, man, because obviously I'm here in Montreal and I, you know, I deal with shipping significantly more, you know, because we're sort of 50-50 with Quebec and Ontario for the podcast. And ICS is the only one, like, that doesn't seem to fuck up any of the orders and they literally, like, it's overnight. Every single time they arrive, they, everything's always in, in good condition where there's other ones and I'll shade and pure later at the worst company. I want to interview the people who are in charge of pure later. <laughs> like, you don't, it's not possible to fuck up that much unless it's like it has to be intentional at this point like it's 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 so ridiculous <laughs> to me i've had more problems with purelator than any other company i've ever dealt with more than rogers more than anything else so ics has been pretty cool so it's it's interesting that maybe it's not as consistent maybe it's their their interprovincial services are uh, yeah a fire but maybe and at the locally. yeah and at the time like we haven't used ics probably in almost a year out of fairness we just haven't revisited it and this is early days where like a lot of breweries were unloading on ICS. Done, so I bet yeah. they're just kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a real strange thing. I mean, look, I guess maybe now that things think, seem to be normalizing to a degree for now, who knows? But, you know, I imagine that has it, has the normalization of society again sort of like allowed the, um, the demand to be serviced a little easier? Like some of what, you know, from the bottle shops or, any other way, um, maybe people are more excited to drive out to, you know, farm town and go and actually have it make a day of it type of thing. And has that changed? Go ahead, Joe. Oh, as far as like people coming out to the farm and instead of like a. Well, like just the, like, I mean, people coming out to get the beer or not, as opposed to this, like, you know, 10 to 1200 is absolutely insane. Like that, that is, oh, those yeah, no yeah. <laughs> the numbers are so crazy. So obviously now like demand has kind of petered out and become more normalized. So I imagine you're able to satiate most of the, you know, your customers who you know, maybe there's someone like Nate in Ottawa, which is, you know, even for me, it's, it's quite, you know, I imagine, I don't know, actually don't know where the fuck air is. I know we'll get to that after. Um, <laughs> so, like, I imagine it'll be, really, you know, probably six, seven hour drive for me here from Montreal. And, you know, even Nate and Ottawa will probably be not too much shorter than that. But I guess, it, you know, yeah. even though for the peak, because I guess what I'm trying to get at is that even though you aren't able to do the shipping for now, um, the bottle shops have really helped ease that, you know, maybe pressure that people who want your stuff and who can't get out there. But also maybe more people are... Uh, proactively taking those trips to come and see you guys and make an afternoon of it and grab it in bulk and get some spirits too type of thing. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, like this past, this past summer, we, I guess this past last May, was it May? We, we wanted to, we, we don't really have much patio space, even though we have a ton of room on the farm. There's a, so there's a hundred acres on the farm and we have the restaurant, but there's not really, we didn't really have, a lot of outside seating um so we, we ended up putting in a, a huge beer tent to try and bring people to come out and that seemed to to really work this past summer because cool just pe people like we, we kind of cam can talk more, more about it but like we so we have the a full restaurant on the farm as well a lot of like farm to, farm to table stuff like all, all 
all the protein, like we have the cattle and the pigs on the farm and that's what gets served in the restaurant as well. Um, we kind of transitioned the menu to just doing like smash patties, but it's smash patties that it's beef from the farm and awesome. like a lot of local, local produce and everything. And so we had a pretty good success with that. The summer with just people wanting to come out a huge beer tent and it was, you know, everyone wanted to be outside and it felt safe. And like we had limited capacity and we're hoping this year will kind of be the same thing. And then I guess along with that, once we kind of stopped shipping beer, we knew we need, needed to kind of do something to still be able to get packages out. So we bought a delivery van and we have a delivery driver. So we do we do do a lot of like local deliveries like Kitchener-Waterloo, what Hamilton. We have a service to Toronto for us, but we try and do like free local delivery around the region as well as much as possible. Just for those people that still might not want to make the drive out to the farm, um, just to accommodate that. And for people that just want to, yeah, be at home and stay safe still and not, uh, not be in contact with too many people. That's sick. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that, that even answers the question even better that there is another alternative for people, at least if you're in the general vicinity and then, you know, people could figure it out through bundles from there. I love it. Um, you guys want to do the pale? Yeah, it's probably yeah. time, eh? Yeah, I was just looking at the clock now. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Hey, let's do it. Um, tell us about this one. So this is uh, obviously all of your hoppy beers are um, on the hazy vibe, Ken. I mean, sorry, Joe. Yeah, for the most part, we're... <clears> uh, <throat> it's something kind of... Yeah. At, least, at least as of now, most of the, the hoppy beer has been hazy stuff. We, if we have a... A new a new beer in tank, um, a collab with Matron we did a few weeks ago. But this nice. this year we're kind of our goal is to kind of make more uh, some more clear West Coast kind of stuff. Yes. Switch it up a bit and not have as much haze in the lineup as much as we enjoy drinking, and that's what a lot of people want to drink. But just kind of see if if the demand for that is there. But but yeah, at, at this point, pretty much all the hoppy beer has been haze and stuff. I had one yeah. West Coast from you guys, Nate, that you got me. I think it had the word party in the name. Oh, it would have been Party Wave. The one we did at Dominion, it was probably, um, yes. what's it called, Tie-Dye? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, that's, yes, yes, that's the one. That was fire. Um, loving this, even just, sorry, getting the photos for the uh, for social right now. As we go, you know the vibes. Can't stop. I'm going to pretend to laugh. <laughs> oh, I, lo- <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love the, uh, I love the nail color. <laughs> cameo right there that was great <laughs> oh the, yeah right bringing it in <laughs> um oof, man this smells amazing what is uh tell us about this one guys like this smells insane as soon as i cracked it i was like jesus christ it's bright and do you, do you want to talk about or do you want me to or what do you want to do uh yeah I, no I, I think you should you're i mean you're the brewer i anything that i'm gonna say is just gonna be a like a parrot of you so you might as well just it might as well come from the horse's mouth rather than the parrot <laughs> no i guess uh like we haven't done a lot of pale ales for the most part i think we maybe done like four three or four we've we done a we have like the party house special series so we did a, a beer called party house light which is a little lower ABV than this. Um, a lot of our lower ABV stuff is finished 
a little drier, I think, than what's normal or like uh, expected for the style. So okay. this beer, we kind of <clears throat> did a riff on on what our what we like in pale ales and kind of what is what's kind of uh, the the average consumer likes. So it's finished a little a little sweeter than normal and. Um, yeah, a little higher ABV than what we would normally have for a pale but I think fairly, fairly happy with how this turns out. And I think this is kind of going to be like the benchmark for how our pale are, I think, moving forward, because I think we were all pretty happy with it. Um, that is yeah. meringue, mate. Look at that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's <laughs> fluffy there. <laughs> wow, no. um, I want to get this in me. Cheers, guys. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Here. Yeah, My so uh, money. Pretty it's a mosaic Morello, but pretty pretty heavy on the mosaic, mm. I think. More than more than any of them. Um, mm-hmm. so it can be pretty dank and fruity, but there's also that I don't know, a nice like blueberry note you don't necessarily get with mosaic i feel like as much anymore um yeah yeah that's okay yeah i i, I wasn't quite sure what point to put on that but yeah that totally is blueberry mm-hmm. um, yeah as soon as you say it, Emer- like, oh my god yeah. that, is, that is what it is yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah i get i get the dank and the uh the, the amarillos and uh, the, like is a nice touch as well um like kind of like kind of gives a bit like a bit of an Earthy bit of a pine, like bit of a piney touch to it as well, and uh, yeah, like yeah, and kind of sure. that bit like little touch of uh, like of spice to it. Not uh, like nothing, mm. um, nothing overpowering, but just like uh, it, just a little hint of it. It's it, like it's nice, and you're right. It actually like it actually is quite dry. There's very little residual sweetness to be had there. That's a good uh, like that's a good mark to hit for a pale ale. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah, I, like must- I think. Uh- <clears throat> oh, sorry. No, no, please go. Go, go, go. No, I think we we all tend to like drier beers for the most part. And I know we've we've been trying to find a good like happy medium between what we like to drink, but ultimately what everyone else likes to drink as well. Um, so we've been kind of been kind of tweaking it, uh, and yeah, I think we're happy with the place that this is at right now. This. Uh, yeah, and yeah, we like I said, we don't do too many pails, but I think so it's, it's kind of the direction we kind of want to go more often, and especially to it to at the farm, like because we're not really located near anything, and even getting like a ride share is difficult no. and probably fairly fairly expensive to get back yep. and forth from the farms. So the loggers and the lower ABB stuff, kind of where we want to focus more at least at least for draft options at the farm just so people can come feel comfortable having more than one beer like a half a beer and feel feel safe to drive home and not be too uh too yeah too too worried because i mean we ultimately we we ultimately have to watch out for the the customer too and make sure everyone's safe and getting to and from the farm safe so absolutely and having a the hard way We've learned yeah. this the hard way. So in trying to figure out what the right mix is, 
there have been times where we just haven't got it right and you come into Willibald and there is like double IPA, double IPA, <laughs> uh, milkshake double, triple IPA, and a yeah. lager. <laughs> mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and a lager. <laughs> No, but that's a, that's an important point, um, like and one that could be easy to overlook from the from like a business responsibility standpoint, like having something that is um, a little like a little more approachable and a bit uh, like and a bit easier to have uh, like to have one or two and still be able to like and still be able to drive home safely for uh, like for whoever's driving. So it's a good thing to keep in mind, and that also kind of brings us to a very important question. Where the fuck is air? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, to be honest, air is in the fucking middle of nowhere. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's technically, I guess, Waterloo region, ah, but we okay. are uh, one concession for all you uh, urban folk out there. That's essentially like concessions are the horizontal like grids that they countryside is laid out on we're essentially one road over from being in brant county which is like brantford and other places okay. uh, <laughs> that are smaller other places <laughs> savage <laughs> yeah but uh so yeah so we're kind of nestled between like cambridge and paris is probably the best way i can describe it if you haven't heard of paris mm. i also totally get it because it's not much bigger than air so <laughs> Okay, I see it right it here. Like the, it's like the prettiest, prettiest town in on Paris or something like that, isn't it? Paris, which Paris? Their like slogan. Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. Oh, is that right? I don't know. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> see, we're not, not from Paris, so it doesn't even benefit us. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> okay, I see where it's going on here. Well, uh, right. yeah. Well, well, I, like I mean. I, Air seems pretty nice from your uh, like from your guys' social media. Like it's uh, like it seems like a very scenic spot that uh, uh, like that you've got there. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we're really we're really lucky. We're really lucky for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just taking a look where it is. It actually looks pretty reasonable. Like uh, I mean, sort of looking at uh, that area a bit recently, and like yeah, like you're not far that far. Like how far is it from Cambridge? Say, I can't tell on this. Fifteen, 15 minutes, mate. Tops, <sighs> like tops. What about Hamilton? Yeah. Like half a forty-five? Like yeah, forty-five. That's that's sweet as man. Like man, I don't know. For me, whenever I go to Ontario, obviously I'm driving minimum five and a half, six hours to get to Toronto, where we usually go. It's where my family and my girlfriend's family are. So like, extra yeah. little bit to go visit them versus nothing. That's like you know, you go to one every single stop. There's forty-five minutes between everything. So you know, that's Probably. awesome. I really feel like now I just want to like having now the like another you know, hazy boy from you guys like understanding like Joe your background with the, and it all kind of just makes sense now in a, in a way that before I was just your shit is fire I was like hell yeah I can't wait to talk to you guys but now I'm seeing okay. the lineage that you're coming from I'm like it's a whole other level do you got do you okay specifically for you Joe do you feel that the you know, the, the learnings that you got from Siebel, from the UK, from Denmark, from Germany, from Monkish, from Jolly Pumpkin, from all of that. Did that all, like, I imagine it all, like, how did all of those influence where you guys, the beer that you make, sort of, yeah, how did all of that come together and what you do today? And then probably the second part to that was what did you guys want to achieve? Like, if, you, if someone said to describe Willibald's beer... You know, what What did yeah. you guys be like, all right, we want to do this with our beer, and how did that sort of play into your skill sets that you derived from your experience? Yeah, I mean, it's, 
I've been fortunate to to work at a, a few spots that like I'd say like really specialized and are good at what they actually make. So like Jolly Pumpkin, like mixed culture beer from just different kinds of oak, like like basically learning how to work with oak, and that was something I had never never learned how to do before, and that was something I really wanted to just to learn. I was fast. I was fascinated by mixed fermentation beer. I think like the first Shelly pumpkin beer I had, I was living in Wisconsin. I absolutely hated it. And I was like, Oh, what is this? What is wrong with this? And then started drinking it more and more. And I'm like, I mean, it is, it is like an acquired taste, right? So, uh, couldn't be more. So yeah, I just, be, I just became obsessed with it. And then, so working there was, you know, learn the, the foundation and the basics. of like, that style and what makes what's good and bad about that style and what to yeah just all the all the ins and outs of that and then going to yeah like i went to the uk and that was mainly hot forward beer for the most part like uh it's pretty pretty much what beaver town was doing a, a lot of hop like ipa pale ale that was a lot of like uh yeah i mean just relearning how, how to brew those beers and the scale as well like i that's the biggest brewer i've worked at and just learning yeah, just, just learning how to work at it at a certain scale as well not not that i said willball ever kind of want to get to that scale but at least just getting that experience and then yeah going to going to california and i'd like i had never even like had a hazy beer i don't think until went back to california and like i remember there's all these theories going around back in the day. It's like, oh, I like her. I remember hearing a story, like a brewery was throwing like pectin in their beer to get haze. And it was like, oh, is that what they're doing? They're throwing flour in. It was like, no one really knew at first. And then I, yeah, like, so it was cool. It was cool to learn at, at Monkish really how to do that. And then when I went to Denmark, it was kind of a mix of both, like some mixed, mixed culture beer. And then a lot of hoppy beer as well. Cause that's, by that time, like Europe was on like a, the haze craze, like they still are. And there's a lot of these breweries like Verdant and all these breweries have just been popping up now on other breweries in Denmark making really nice hazy beer. So when we came, when I came back to the farm, like we knew we wanted to make hazy beer, make hoppy beer, because that's kind of, I mean, not, not kind of, that's, that's what's popular. That's what people want. Um, I really hadn't made too many loggers prior to moving back. I think when I was in California, we made half a dozen, maybe. That was kind of my real first experience making lager outside of school. Um, so I really wanted to put a focus on that as well. And just having just having a more diverse tapless can selection for people when they come to the farm. And then, I mean, we... We have a lot going on, so it's it's harder to get to. But we we have oak, a decent amount of oak filled with stout right now because, thankfully, with the distillery, with like with whiskey coming out, whiskey barrels are getting emptied. We have almost unlimited access for the brewery for with like spent whiskey barrels, which is an amazing like privilege to have, especially. Yeah, that's a that's a nice asset to have on site. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's cool too because like most most places will do, you know, they have a stout aged in 
Willet or Woodford or what have you barrels like trace barrels with having having the opportunity to have your stout in your own ex whiskey barrels is a pretty cool cool uh feature um no but then uh not released yet this coming tomorrow i think we're gonna announce it we it's our i really want to put a focus on like farmhouse beers at some point just being on a farm and we have some some beer in oak right now that we're planning on packaging and not that we want to not that it's ever going to become a big part of the of the farm but just to honor kind of that tradition with farmhouse brewing and you know uh so we have a, we have a can condition saison coming out that we brewed with uh still fields okay if you oh, guys nice then you don't know too, yeah 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 brand new so it's the old uh owens the brewer there he's the old head brewer at bellwoods so oh. he, he started his, oh, he no started way. his own like full full oak aging site up in meaford so uh okay. yeah we're gonna we're gonna yeah i think tomorrow at least the saison so that's our first farmhouse-esque saison beer so we're looking forward to that oh yeah um but yeah i hope that that's a great yeah. answer and then the kind of follow-up, say for you, Cam, when you and, and the other partners like were you know you running the, the distillery side and you were deciding on beer, like did you guys have, like did you talk to Joe and be like, hey, we should do this, or did you guys before you sort of spoke to Joe, did you already have an, a, a vision? I guess is what I'm getting at as far as like what you wanted to do with the brewery side of things. Like how did that kind of work? So to start, like the brewery side of the business hinged on Joe, you know, straight up, like we were never going to do this if Joe wasn't a part of the equation. Okay. Um, uh, business partnerships are, are, are challenging and, you know, it's a, a lot of it is based on trust and we needed, we knew we needed someone who was going to be able to come in and have skin in the game and really want to make it their own. And with Joe's resume and being a friend and, his drive, it just seemed like a great fit. And we were just kind of open to doing whatever. And even today, you know, at the brewery, like it's not very strategic. It's a lot of, yo, you know, it would be so sick if we bring this. Oh, you know, it'd be so cool. Yo, 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 you remember like a month ago we talked about that beer? What if we did it like, and it's just yeah. like, constant spitballing and i'd love to say that there's like a very fixed strategy but really up until now it's just been a lot of like fuck you know what i love to drink right now <laughs> you know i can't condition yeah. saison yeah. okay fuck <laughs> that's what we're doing <laughs> yeah, yeah no, like, like anytime <clears throat> we're gonna have a, like a collab or anything like the, the other brewery will you know, you're like, okay, well, what, what's your schedule like? We can work around. It's like, our schedule is insanely flexible. So whenever, <laughs> whenever it works for your schedule, like we can, we can definitely make it happen. I love that. That's uh, I was going to ask as well about collabs. And sorry, Nada, if I'm hogging all the questions here. Um, That's all right. Collabs. I know you guys have done. You've done a bunch. Like, how is you know what what's some of the stuff that you guys have done, or you got uh, things that you're working on as far as that. Being that you guys are. I know everything's kind of virtual now, for better or worse, like yeah. during the last couple of years. So it's probably allowed for more collabs. I reckon I've probably seen more collabs, arguably, in the last couple of years yeah. because before yeah. it hinged on people physically being there. But I, 
most collabs, you would probably argue, were strictly virtual just by you know, the, the nature of the world. But yeah, um, collabs being, you know, you guys are in the region that you are, which isn't as bad as I thought it was when you were saying where it's in the middle of nowhere. It's not that bad. Um, <laughs> Cambridge isn't too far. And, uh, you know, yeah, how was that, how was that sort of typically worked? Because I love that. I love that flexibility where you just sort of speak into someone who has a, a brand new brewery that's into like farmhouse stuff. You're like, hell yeah, I want to do that. And say, it's on, boom, let's go. Like, how has that kind of worked for you guys in, in the last little bit? And maybe, and maybe it was different pre-pandemic than, than after as well. No, I think like, uh, like just like Cam and Jordan Nolan, just even from not necessarily being in the beer industry, but being in the alcohol industry have known, known people for a long time. Like we were at a, we poured at Rooted in Place Dominion's Festival February 2019 and that I, they had they had never even had our beer before it was just the contact that Cam had because the restaurant had been selling uh, Dominion beer on draft uh, yep. which was a, an awesome festival too but uh, it, re- yeah, it, it really was I, I, I was I was there as well that's one of my like that's one of the best festivals I've ever been to <laughs> yeah yeah no I would I would love for that festival to happen again because that was a, a lot of fun but yeah, like I, I think it's just been like people, people we've connected with and been friends with. Like, for instance, uh, the Stillfield collab. Owen and I, we we've been talking for a few years just through social mm-hmm. media. We never actually met in person, and then we we had a Bellwood collab. What was that game like over oh, a year yeah. ago? Maybe. But, but what was that called again? I'm looking. Yeah, we, uh, Willie Belson. Yes, that shit was fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was we, back uh, in Mar- March of last year. So it was literally almost a year ago. Wow, it does. Oh yeah. yeah, man, time just goes. Okay, that was oh, a two-way no, collab too, right? That was like because I had their version, but you did a version yep. too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love that. I love those I mean, double collabs. Yeah, it's a lot of fun too. We, yeah, like we. For instance, a d- double collab like we just released one today. Um, guy named Lucas that I worked with at Beaver Town. He owns a brewery now in Berlin called Fierce Viacek. So they we we both released the same beer. They released theirs two weeks ago now, probably. Um, but yeah, we just released our version today, and yeah, completely completely virtual collab. We're love to go over there at some point or have have them come here. But yeah, I, th- I think a lot of the collabs is just people we really get on with and people we really connect with. And I think we, we try to make it more than just like making a beer together. It's hanging out and people, yeah, just people we connect with and have the same values as us. And yeah, just, just have a, have a good time doing it. It, We try to make it just more than just brewing a beer together, I guess, Mm. like try to, Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Th- 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 that's nice when it has uh, like when it kind of has that extra layer to it of uh, l- l- like of there being a bit of a connection made as opposed to like as opposed to just like just a simple recipe share and uh, like and slapping the other brewery's label on it. It's uh, like you know it, it's good to hear when there's a bit more of a story and a connection behind it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even even the beer. You know, we brewed uh, when Superflux did their little road trip in Ontario, and um, 
we we got to collab with them they're so nice um but you know we decided to do another we decided to do an away leg of that and uh, bring it there obviously we can't be there for that but we're going for the release actually in a few weeks and you know part of that talking about this is they really fell in love with our seltzers so we're actually shipping out kegs of our seltzers to pour on draft (laughs) there with the release of the beer which is rad so you know things like that which have been really great and again talking to speaking kind of to what you were saying nate about like just having meeting great people and just really like leaning into it one way or the other and just kind of being open to be like you know whatever you're into right now like let's roll with that and try not to come in with any preconceived notion of like this is what we're doing i think if you put the horse blinders on too much you don't do anything cool ultimately so yeah yeah. Definitely. Um, speaking uh, speaking of seltzers, uh, that you reminded me of something there, because um, back in uh, like in kind of early to mid twenty twenty, when like when the like when the seltzer game was just going bonkers, exploding uh, like all over the U.S. and uh, like and coming up here as well. You guys were the first ones that I remember in Ontario, um, like to kind of have a big like uh, like seltzer, like kind of like that people were going nuts for. And I think it was the strawberry rhubarb one. Um, yeah. Did you guys have uh, like? Did you guys have a sense at the time of how, like of how the seltzers were like were exploding? Like, how did the timing come about on that for you? Yeah, so it was kind of random. Uh, we had. Uh, December 2019. So Jordan and Nolan and their family and my family have condos uh, in Florida on the same beach, just totally randomly. We didn't know this till like 15 years later. But anyway, so we oftentimes when we're not tired of each other at work, we'll go away at say Christmas and we'll go together. And we had heard seltzers were exploding. And I'm like, fuck, I've heard a white claw, but I've never had one. So like, I'm just going to buy a case and go to the beach. So bought a case, I'm like, wow, I want to hate this, but like, I get it. You know, like, it's just like, so easy. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's like, it's like, it's, this should hurt more than it does, you know? Um, yep. So I was just like, you know, we kind of toyed around with the idea and we had talked to a flavor supplier about like doing custom flavors and we'd even gone as far as to get some samples, but nothing really came of it. And then um, it was April. Uh, 2020 so this is about four months on and we had had just finished an insane day of packing and shipping one of 1100 orders or whatever (laughs) craziness we were into at the time (laughs) and nolan and i were just like fuck you let's just try making like a liter or two of it in a corny keg force carbon and just like see what happens and so we just hooked it up to the bar cranked the gas up and just like tried it it's like fuck actually like that's not bad. What if we added just like a little bit more of this? And like, honestly, probably within a week, we were just like, okay, this is pretty good. And so we're like, you know what? Like, I don't know if anyone will be into it. Again, like you're saying, there weren't a lot of like small guys doing it. So it's just like, you know what? We have the, we have Northern Canyon coming in anyways. We'll do a tank. And it's about a skid worth of, can- of short cans. If we sit on it till Christmas, we sit on it till Christmas. That's sold out in a week. <laughs> and then the next launch we did okay. sold out in 24 hours and then the next quiz we did sold out in 12 hours it's like okay this is like way more than we ever thought it was gonna be and we got people angry like <laughs> why are you bringing this flavor back like what is going on it's like we literally cannot do more 
<laughs> yeah, so it was totally like, yeah, we had no idea. No, no fucking idea. Wow. Where is it? Oh, yeah, yeah that, and, uh, that's and, nuts. Because like, those, those were the crushers of the summer, and uh, like in 2020, people were losing their shit for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were uh, fortunate to get on when we did, I think. So. Definitely. Where are they at now? Like, what's the, what's the Seltzer Sitch? Like, it's, it's crazy, man. Like, <laughs> we sold, like, I don't even know how many cans we sold, we sold last year, but like an absurd amount. Uh, we have watermelon seltzer actually was one of 70 uh, cocktails except the LCBO this year, nice. which is insane because we have to sell at least half a million by Labor Day to get relisted. So like, I don't know, everyone's saying prayer for us, I guess. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we plan on making a shitload more of it this year, needless to say. Wow, so is it a regular thing? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we have like our core flavors and then we, we fuck around with some odds and ends. We're, uh, we're doing a birthday cake seltzer this year for our anniversary and trying to do some more weird shit just for shits and giggles, but yeah. Yo. Honestly, that's amazing. And you've, Cam, and, and you've got the uh, and you've got like that bumbleberry pie one, which I think is a Dominion City collab, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, nice. yeah when we did that party wave beer, we were like, "Let's." Oh, so I don't know if you had it at rooted in place, but I remember Cam came and grabbed me when we were pouring out the booth. He's like, "Yo, have you had the city seltzer these guys are giving away here? Like, it's insane. Like the cream soda one or orange." The orange one, yep. orange cream one. Orange yeah, cream one. We yeah, like, I, got, I got that in the yeah, fridge. Yeah, orange creamsicle. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's yeah. I, I, with their I water fucking too. love city seltzer. Uh, so like, my, yeah. My my wife and I like buy that all the time, just regularly to like to have at home to drink. Like as anyone would sparkling water. Like I like I love just yeah. having that on <laughs> hand anytime. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's great oh, yeah. great people there too, so it's a win win. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys looked into yep. doing something like that too, being that the seltzer business is doing great? Have you looked at the you know I don't want to call it non alcoholic, but just sparkling flavored water at all? Yeah. We yeah, talked about it. Um <clears throat> go ahead, Joe. Yeah, please. No, no, you can talk about that. I was gonna talk about non alcoholic beer at some point, but you can I would love to talk about, oh, talk yeah. about the waters if you want to. Yeah, like I think for us right now, it's like so. Just just so you guys know too, there are pretty much five people, uh, sort of six people outside of the restaurant staff that do everything at Little Bond. So it's like Joe does the brewing, Nolan does the distilling. They share cellar work, obviously. Jordan um, does like accounting. We share marketing. And I do like distribution and a lot of like the conceptual stuff with the guys and helping to do some of the other odds and ends. And then we have Britt, which is Nolan's wife, who does like all the order fulfillment stuff. And then we have our delivery driver and that's it. So it's just like we have spirits, we have the restaurant to manage, we have the brewery to manage. There's like six of us and it's like, fuck, starting the flavored water line, Niagara Holler is just like a like crippling thought. We already like can't even oh, do man. what we want to do. So. <laughs> yeah. Not the time. That's an insane like, like, like th th that's an insane scale of work for such a small team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's getting a breaking point, but <laughs> so be. 
I feel you, man. Uh, it's like a, it's hard. I own a business too, so it's like hard to scale, like to know when to scale and to sort of when to, who the, the roles that you need to fulfill. Because it's sort of like, well, you can hire yeah. someone to run the canning, the, the sparkling water thing, but like, is that even going to pay off to cover their wages, type of thing? And yeah, it's yeah. uh, it's an interesting position that you guys are in. So I mean, I can understand that, but then the non-alcoholic beer then. Has that been, I mean, that seems to be really like taking off right now. A lot of breweries are sort of doing even just their own just single one. There's obviously whole companies that just do that that are, are coming out. Like where are you guys? Yeah, like, yeah, we've been, well, back, like, kind of going back to us not necessarily being located in a highly trafficked area. We've kind of flirted with the idea. Like, I'm, I'm sure we will this summer as well. Like having some, like the, the bar staff will do non-alcoholic cocktails for, and we have a non-alcoholic seltzer we normally have on draft too. Um, but yeah, with just non-alcoholic beer being just becoming more and more popular now, it's, it's definitely something we've been talking about doing and we'd love to do it. Like I personally never done made a non-alcoholic beer. I'd love to flirt with, with doing that. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting more and more popular. It's hard to, to not want to at least try it out and see how it goes. I mean, I, I don't see how it could not be, have some popularity with, with the drinking crowd. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a rising, uh, kind of a rising demand for it. And, uh, you know, a desire for people to still keep supporting their local spots, even if they're like, even when they're taking a break from uh, like from beer and whatnot. And um, yeah, like uh, recipe development for that seems to like, seems to be tricky. Uh, Matt from Rorschach in Toronto is like, has like, has told us that um, the non-alcoholic beer free spirit that they like, that they've got there is uh, like, was one of the hardest recipes to like to that they've ever uh, like had to develop. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and you said it cost the same. Yeah, oh yeah, as, as yeah, like I, any other an alcoholic beer, it costs the same to make it and to sort of do it all. But you know, I guess you can only you can't sell it for the same price. I imagine that's going to yeah, be exactly. Same for yeah, and, and the other part of this too, it's the same for I feel like for non-alcoholic beers, it is for even seltzers when mm. you don't have substrate and the same body to balance a beer or to balance the flavor of whatever product it is you have far less tools in your toolbox to create a balanced product. It becomes way more of a challenge to get it to taste um, balanced, but also just not taste weird. Um, And it's, and and if you've ever had a really bad non-alcoholic beer, it just tastes kind of weird, you know, or if you've had a bad seltzer, it just kind of tastes weird. And a lot of that stems back from, you just don't have the same amount of, you know, ingredients at your disposal to add kind of those missing characteristics in, and you got to kind of get be creative in how you make up for that, you know? Mm. Yep. Yeah. I think it's going to be definitely one of the hardest things to do for sure for, for a brewer. And, and like you said, you've got so much, so many reduced uh, options that you can do. There's only a couple of ways, you know, the arrested uh, fermentation or the, there's another one or two different ways. So you've got even limited in the ways that you can make totally. it. So it's a, uh, it definitely seems like a challenge. So whenever you do have a good one, you're like, man, fuck, man. that's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of few and far between. But I guess it's a, 
I think the one benefit of that would be that the correct me if I'm wrong, like the freedom of shipping is in like, I think that even breaches the, the, the provincial rules because there is no alcohol. Um, aside from this crazy province where I'm at, I think you can't ship anything here, but like everywhere else, I think you can basically go throughout the whole country. If I'm not mistaken with non-alcoholic beer, maybe if you have the sparkling water, that's a different conversation, but that might open up a whole different market. But then once again, it comes back to the physical limitations of, you know, manpower to, to get things going type of thing. For sure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It just becomes a food product at that point. Right. So you can kind of ship it how you want, but then it's the marketability of that product and, and your demographic is all oftentimes, you know, not the same as mm. it would be otherwise. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, going back to your point about sparkling water, it's like, yeah, there is a lot of overlap and you can sell cross sell for sure. But the shelves you're on, you know, most of the time will be separate from your alcoholic products. So really then you're looking at a separate marketing effort and are you prepared to make the investment yeah. to make that successful? Right. It's, there's a lot more that goes into it too. So mm. it's, it's definitely Absolutely. a challenge. Yeah. We yeah, were talking with uh, we were talking with Bebo from third moon, um, like on our uh, biweekly chin wag uh, show that we do on Instagram live. And he, uh, like, we were talking about exactly this, um, talking about how dominion, like their strategy being to create kind of a separate brand for it. Um, and how, like, and how it really is a challenge to, um, to market, uh, like to market a different product like that, because generally speaking, the people come like, like the people coming to Willowball, they're going or like are coming to Third Moon or coming to Dominion City are not there after a non necessarily a non-alcoholic beer or a non-alcoholic seltzer. So it's mm-hmm. uh, like, like at least not uh, like at least not upfront. So to have kind of the strategy to market it definitely has to uh, be considered differently than your core product, which uh, mm-hmm. like it's. It definitely seems to be a challenge. I never thought of that. You're right, though. Like, your competitor is Perrier or some shit. Like, it's not another brewery. It's, like, literally other flavored sparkling waters. So that is quite the ordeal. Like, it's it's a whole other brand. It's literally a separate business. So you would – yeah, it would be – You're against LaCroix, man. (laughs) Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Fuck, like it sounds great on hey, paper. Yeah. It sounds like so easy. Yeah, go. On. Yeah, we should do the 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 stout. Eh? Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should grab the stout. Yes. I mean, we can extend it a little bit long. Don't worry about that. Guys. Yeah, you sure? Yeah. I mean, it's time to no, do it we're anyway. Gonna chug, yeah. We're gonna make you chug both in like ten minutes. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> Once we get to that triple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> stout. Babe. Thank you. Um. Either way, let's let's do the stout anyway because I feel like it's about time. This paler was spectacular. For people, I don't know if we even said the name. It's called Brisk, guys. This is uh, money. Really, really, really good shit, man. I'm so impressed with you guys, man. This shit is just so cool. And it's, it's cool hearing that the... Now, I so I feel like I just understand where you guys are, uh, where you guys will come from now. It's, uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. So tell us about this bad boy here. I've actually had... Nate, got, Nate what was the stat you got me? You gave me one of the 10% stats. This shit was glorious. Um, no, you me two was, of them. Uh, the orange it, it, well, uh, one of the ones, yeah, one of the ones was whack that, uh, like that chocolate orange one, and I think mm. the oh, yeah. other one would have been would have been limbo. Sounds exactly right. Oh, yeah. limbo, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, we have another we have another batch of that coming out in a few weeks. Actually, Tuesday. Tuesday, 
There we go. This will be it'll be out by the time the episode comes out. So this now we're moving into a uh, milk stout. Look at that glorious bad boy right here. Uh, pay it forward. Uh, milk sugar team lactose. Love it. Um, tell us about this one. I love the uh, like the Timmy's uh, on the uh, on, oh, on the yeah. label there, which is a uh, nice little bit of Canadiana. I don't know what it is with our obsession with poking Tim Hortons, but because uh, this is <laughs> yeah. the second beer we've done like that, I don't know. We did a beer called uh, Double Double. <laughs> we only did one batch because uh, it was literally a direct rip, and we later found out after we were well, while we were canning the beer and labeling it, that Double Double yeah. is actually a trademark term, which no. adds to the fun. So I was like, we better stop really? this thing out. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. <laughs> that's actually yeah. That's really smart of them to trademark that. To be honest, I mean, evil genius, I guess. Um, yeah, for to sure. To trademark that. Did you have to change the name? Uh, we just never brewed it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck it, right? Oh man, this this smells incredible. Um, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Is there anything? Um, I mean, is this like a straight up and down? Seven percent stout yeah. with uh, milk sugar. What's the deal? Is there anything? Because um... there's co there's yeah, coffee as well, right? Uh, is, is this uh, um, like are you guys able to say who the roaster was that you used? Oh yeah, yeah. So we used we used a detour out of Hamilton. Hey, they're in Hamilton. Nice, nice. Yeah. Hey. So we've we've used their we've used their beans a few times now, and then um, we did detour our sick. our beer our. Last collab with Collective Arts called Drip. We use their house coffee as well, which is also a detour um, bean. Okay. So this this is the second batch of this beer. We the first batch actually we yeah would have been over two years ago. Now we released that or not released that we just poured at the uh, Rooted in Place Festival. Um, but yeah, we mainly just nothing crazy about this. We just wanted to be. Uh, have a sessionable coffee still. We we there's lactose in it, but not too too over the top. I mean, there's still some residual sweetness, like a sweet coffee. But uh, yeah, yeah, we we weren't really trying to go too much for like the pastry realm at all. Just something lower ABV that you could probably have more than yeah more than one of was kind of the the goal of it, I guess, for the most part. Here for it. Yep. And, yeah, can we, yeah, can we, we get this. We. I want to say yeah, cheers. We, get we, it, we, yeah. Cheers, cheers. cheers, guys. Appreciate you. Sorry, yeah, we, we've gotten coffee. Mm. Yeah, go, brother. Oh Oof. no, no just, we've gotten coffee from Detour a few times now, and they've been awesome to work with. And like, I, I personally, I live in Hamilton. I'm on their like monthly coffee subscription, so. I, I, nice. I've been a big I've been a big fan I've been a big fan of their coffee and yeah I mean uh other shout out deep detour as well hell yeah Man, oh, this yeah. is great yeah this is I, I, I'd be happy to shout them out anytime detour is great mm. um yeah, yeah. And, and this this is Oof. fucking delicious like yeah the, my god the, like the texture on this is just like it is so silky smooth yeah mm -hmm. yeah this is uh. Glorious. Uh, like uh, like the, the coffee vibe is, like is intense. I love it. It's like uh, like it, it's like a fresh pulled espresso. It's great. Mm. 
Yeah. It's so bright. Yeah. So this is, this is their, yeah, it's an espresso roast mm. that they, uh, we're using. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yep, it is, tastes like it. This is glorious. So one thing that sort of struck me, I mean, you guys have been around, you said, since 2017, but brewing since 2019. So that means you're probably on like, sounds like about two and a half years of, of brewing. Um, yeah. But if you look at sort of the the things you guys have done, mm-hmm. Bell collaborations and, and things with the brand, you know, Bellwoods, Collective Arts, Detour, Dominion, um, I'm sure there's a bunch of others that you've done along the way. Like, what do you think was like, like that's, I guess what I'm saying is extremely impressive for such a young brewery, um, you know, to be doing this type of stuff. And like I said, I heard about you from other friends in the industry before you were even dropping the beers. Um, or maybe you had dropped the beers. I'm really trying to think of who it was. So I remember someone was like, you need to check out Winterborn. Like, I said, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, what, what do you guys think that sort of resonated so well with, with the industry, with the brand? To a, you know, because it's not that simple. You can't just like drop a brewery and then you have names like that wanting to work with you. I mean, that's, it's, it's really, really, really cool. What do you I guys mean, think? Yeah. Yeah, like it's so hard. I mean, if I, to be honest, if we knew, we would harvest <laughs> that and we would and literally just be canning that <laughs> on repeat. Let's go. Um, so the truth is, like, we don't really know. Um, I think. I had to guess, um, you know, I think, you know, the beers that Joe has been able to put out um, have not been beers. I would say it's like really been like learning the system. It's like he really hit the ground running. And I think that's been a huge help is just mm-hmm. having solid liquid out of the gate, not having to work out as many kinks as maybe someone who's not familiar brewing with a big system and coming from more of a traditional homebrew setup. Um, that was a big advantage having that kind of professional experience. And then the other thing too, is like there, I'd like to think that there's an honesty about the brand and this constant kind of like slight humor too, that's appeals to people. I mean, I don't know if it ever comes through like that, but I think like we've always kind of been like, okay, we're going to brew serious beer and then just kind of say, fuck it and have fun with that at the same time. Mm. Um, and have beer that's super crushable and, and we've never wanted to create a product on the spirit side or the beer side that people sit on. We drink product to be crushed, period. Safely, of course, drinking responsibly is important, but outside of that, yeah, that's kind of been like the ethos of the brand, I feel like in many ways. So in the product we put out, so. I mean, yeah, that, maybe Joe, you yeah. you feel differently or have more to add on to that, but no, I feel the same way. I was like, like, even though growing up here, I guess I, I didn't know many people in the industry coming back. For the most part, I think the only the only guy I actually knew coming back was Luke at Bellwoods, and um, that was the only real, real, yeah, real relationship I had. Uh, yeah, no, I I completely agree with Cam. I think we've just been fortunate. Like people were really supportive of, of us and yeah, we're willing to work with us and yeah, a lot of not necessarily luck, but like, you know, just, uh, yeah, people have been just awesome and 
yeah, we built some great relationships just, just from that, even just, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's well, Joe, been, Joe it's, you, you made a really good point there of like that. I totally forgot is COVID is a big thing. Like COVID mm. has been terrible in so many ways, but to be honest, COVID was probably put our brewery has probably put our brewery. If I had to guess probably a year ahead, mm. so? just because when everything closed down, everyone went online and was like, Oh my God, you can buy beer online, even though it's been able to happen. But people, <laughs> everyone went online being like, I don't have to really work as hard as I used to. And I'm at home. What am I going to drink this weekend? <laughs> and when you're a destination brewery yeah. and that's how from primarily you get your exposure, that was huge for us. Yep. Huge. Um, and had COVID yeah. not have happened and had that whole change in the way people drink and consume and look for new beer and shop for alcohol, I, I think we would have been far further behind where we are. Mm. So it was kind of just luck and a yeah. fluke if I'm doing yeah. that. That's really interesting. Yeah, um, that is fascinating. Go on, Nick. To kind of uh, change directions here a bit, I wanted to ask you guys something about uh, a post that I saw a couple, uh, like a couple of days ago. Can you tell us about uh, the community fund? Um, what's that about? Totally. Uh, we're four guys that grew up in a very small community, um, and community is how you survived. You relied on the people next door, uh, down the street. You knew kind of everyone. Um, for better or for worse, and uh, all the gossip that went on. But, but, you know, like, community was really <laughs> important growing up in small, rural town, Ontario. And so when we're finally in a position where we feel like we have something to contribute from the business and we can, you know, start using our platform to promote and, and bring about uh, change within our local community. We we wanted to hop on that, and you know, I think it just comes from a place of, you know, this community raised us, and we want to make sure that someone yep. is there to help raise the next gen. You know, mm. and so yeah, what, what is it like? A uh, you community fund? So excuse my ignorance because I actually hadn't heard of it. It's no, a um, like totally. a. It's a uh, like a a fund that you're able you, you like would take some of the profits from the business and then donate it to charities or is it a nonprofit in itself? Yeah, yeah. So so the the idea is like we want to create this thing. You know, it's it's interesting because especially when you start dealing in children's organizations, mm -hmm. they don't really like accepting uh, donations from the direct sale of alcohol for obvious reasons. Fair. Um, so, so the idea was we wanted to kind of create this thing within the brand that we could build up with the hope of maybe building it one day to become its own not-for-profit so that we can continue to do what we're doing, which is essentially just raising money and giving it to um, organizations that are important to us, um, but also potentially use it as an intermediary so that it's not directly from the sale of alcohol. It's this separate organization giving, and it gives us a little bit more flexibility to give to organizations without having to have that alcohol conflict that can come with mm. certain organizations. 
Um, so that, that's kind of the idea. Obviously, this is like a little bit of a longer term plan, but that's kind of what the idea was and why we weren't just saying, Willibald's just donating. That was kind of, that was kind of the idea. I love that. Cool. We are, uh, like, kind of so we have a, uh, a nonprofit that we started as well, and they has the shirt there called Link Up. Um, and yep. we started that to diversify the craft beer industry. And we had a podcast uh, last week we did with Kanawaki Brewery. And uh, oh, there you go, right there. And uh, they had to do the exact same thing. Yeah, because they were trying to donate to, uh, you know, other, um, uh, you know, causes in their region. They're First Nations, uh, the first brewery on First Nations right here. And they wouldn't take it. Like literally just not even like funny about like straight up said no. So they're going to have to start a separate business, a separate nonprofit to do the exact same thing. So like it's unfortunate that that's how it is. But at the same token, I guess it's like you said, completely understandable but i love that that's like a nice way around it and it kind of almost like consolidates all your charitable activities into this one sort of entity and then you can decide where you sort of uh you know really invest whether it's back into the local community in air or, or elsewhere um i love that that's really cool i think it's really important these days like what like so it was really that you guys because you grew up there you, you see the value of having to be able to give back or you sort of as a business owner you're like you know we can't just be selfish pricks here. We have to like, you know. Yeah, pay, it's, pay I mean, it's twofold. It's that. Ooh. It's definitely that. In like, pay it forward to be. That'll look exactly. great. Exactly, and that's kind of, and that was kind of the uh, one of the ideas of like launching it with pay it forward was for seemed like the perfect fit. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it it's the giving back. You know, the other thing too is we realized that we lived at a time with a lot of social activity and movement going on. Uh, some of it positive, some of it negative, but as much as we can't always have the biggest impact on uh, some of these broader issues, we can make a difference in our community. And so we've kind of decided, no, we're going to hunker down and we're going to focus on just trying to make our community better. And if I think if everyone were to do something similar, then, you know, we can make a, a very big impact across a much wider area. I think it's just also the realization that, you know, we are only so big. Uh, we do only like kind of reach so far and like let's try and really focus on making a difference there first hmm. and go from there and that's great I, I think it's almost like the the last couple of years as well when you know i wonder if that put everything in context for all of us as far as like if maybe more time to think and just sort of you know be strapped in at home i know i used to move around a lot and always be traveling and in the last two years i've barely done anything and uh it kind of makes you reflect on the world around you and, and what you can really give back at a time when you know, like, so some people are doing great. Like, our, just like you guys benefited from COVID, our business benefit, we're a digital agency. So, we benefited greatly from that. And I'm super aware and happy, very grateful and trying to give back and give back opportunities. And then we started the nonprofit to try and give back even more to the beer side of things. So, I, it's cool to see you guys. Like, I feel like I'm seeing this a lot. And a lot of people are wanting to do that. And then maybe we can thank the last couple of years for, for maybe that, that context, um, for, for maybe putting the life and the world in perspective for everybody and just be like, you know, we can't just be running a business. We really do need to be doing something a bit extra. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. When you're online when it, during COVID and everything's just like very in your face, you know, because you're spending a lot more time in, indoors and on your phone and in isolation and you fill that time somehow. And, start to become hyper aware that 
you know, a lot of is going on outside of your four walls, even though you're not necessarily there. And you start to think like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is, what is this all about? Is it just about the money? Because at the end of the day, I could do far, I could do far simpler jobs and make far <laughs> more money. So what's it, yep. what's it about? You know? yeah. um, and so you start to kind of break away and COVID has been great for that. I think um, if not other things, um, for helping to reassess kind of like you were saying, start to really state your priorities is like, what, what is my life going to look like? Mm. You know, what do I want to leave behind? It's such a good point. Yeah. Cause, I, I, cause our yeah. fresh beers won't last. So we got to leave something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so true though. It's cool. It's just like, a, it's nice to continue to see this stuff. And I think it's just, a, it's a cool conversation. I feel like it's really dope that everyone can sort of approach in their own way. What, what's important to, to the individuals who created this business, you know, like what, what matters to us? Okay. We have excess income or we can shave some off to be able to give back to the community that's allowing us to do our thing. And, and no, it's, it's, it's really dope to me. And, and like, obviously these gra- it's almost like COVID because of the lack of movement in the world has put that gra- the, the importance on the grassroots, localized movements, whatever they may be and whatever you want to focus on, like how much of that impact is there? Like if really everyone's just staying put to where they're at, like what, you know, the money that I put back into whatever it may be, like, you know, even if you're a conduit to therefore invest into other organizations that, you know, maybe ones for kids or maybe ones for whatever, every, or, or anything you can think of. It's, um, yeah, it's just dope. It's just really cool. It's, uh, I love, I love seeing that. And I guess that's, I, I didn't know that. I mean, that explains the pay it forward, man. It, uh, and this was the beer that launched the, the fund. Yeah. So the idea was proceeds from the, si- <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you love it. We love uh, a I love him, but he's, yeah. Um, he's <laughs> yeah, proce- proceeds from the sale that, uh, of this beer, some of the proceeds are, are going to go into the community fund to help kick it off. And then from there, again, like, funny enough, the first charity we chose uh, is a charity related to funding um, kids and helping them join uh, organized sports who are underprivileged and maybe can't afford to um, because organized sports have played such a huge role in our lives. And, you know, help form who we've become as later as adults. So um, that, and so because of that, now we're going to have to get a little bit more, uh, you know, creative about our fundraising solutions. But yeah. well, I mean, look, it's it's a, it's a fantastic start. Just the fact that you've even had to go to that level as far as you know, creating your actual registered nonprofit is because that's you know that's work because we've had to go through it too it's a whole ordeal it's a whole thing it's bureaucracy just like it is for the incorporation of Willowbolt too right the same thing it's not that different um yeah so I, I very much respect that i think that's really dope and just speaks to the values of you guys of uh you know as brew owners as well very fucking cool man um nice. definitely want to see more of that another question even sort of coming back to what we were talking about before you guys are in such, and you were sort of talking about that, maybe Joe, you mentioned it with regard to, you're such a fortunate position being that you are a distillery and a brewery. It's, I can, I very rarely think of many other uh, companies in a similar position. So you've got, you know, the benefit of, as you know, you're making these fire stouts and you can chuck them in whatever the damn hell barrels you want and, and all that type of stuff. Like, how has that been for you guys as far as, um, Obviously, I guess it's more obvious how the 
distillery benefits the beer side because of the empty barrels and you can age it in, but maybe there's other elements that maybe there's learnings from, I think you said it was Nolan who takes care of the distilling. Yeah. So like, you know, maybe he's able to do, Hey, you do this here. Maybe Joe, you'd be like, Oh shit. Okay. That's cool. But maybe we could try that here. And then vice versa. Like how is that sort of exchange of information worked and what, what benefits I guess I, I'm getting at is, you know, what have been the benefits of having both of those breweries literally side by side in the same company for you guys? Well, I guess uh, with the brew house, I mean, we haven't done it yet. We've, it's still a process and something we've been wanting to do. But like, for instance, now that we have the brew house, the distillery would, is able to do like a single malt and okay. we can, we can do like a rye or some weird barley or, or what have you, I guess. And uh, so that's been really nice. I mean, let's say, I mean, I think early on we didn't have a batch that went too, too well. And with the distillery, we didn't have to dump it. No one was able to distill it. And, it's somewhere ah, in some some form now, which is beneficial. Yeah, but no, it's, yeah, it's that's <laughs> great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, no, it's been nice because like I I these guys know like a lot about distilling. I personally, I'm learning. I'm still far behind. So taking taking tips from them and their knowledge and their tasting and just like palates as far as like how spirits go and really helped with, you know, how we can go about, let's say, let's say brewing beers, like specifically for Oak even, and what, like what attributes they pulled from the barrels that the, potentially the beer can benefit from. And um, no, yeah, it's been, yeah, it, it's been nice because we're able to like riff off, like Nolan and I can riff off each other and, come up with some fun ideas that maybe necessarily like if it was just a distillery or just a brewery, you wouldn't have that opportunity to do, or like, let's say we're using like a, a prime example is we have a couple of beers that we make our own extracts with where if you don't have the distillery, you're not even, I think like legally allowed to do that, even though some spots might, might do that. But uh, yeah. So for instance, we, even with our milk house, series we'll put our vanilla into the neutral spirit we'll put okay the, the pumpkin spice beer we'll make our own pumpkin spice mix and like that's, oh, that's cool. amazing to have access to yeah me and, Nate, me and Nate are basic bitches we fucking love pumpkin spice so that's uh... <laughs> oh so do we don't worry yeah, yeah. hey I, I can yeah. tell basically we, we... no shame <laughs> none at all bro yeah. we didn't have it in Australia go no, I, I was just gonna say that, like the like the pumpkin spice milk house, really like really speaks to both of us. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the team lactose thing, but uh, um, like, but that, that was a whole thing a few like a few years ago. And uh, C and I are very like are very much uh, like team lactose and also team pumpkin beers. So that like so that one really like met, like meeting the two, we're we're very down with that. <laughs> it's it's cool to see. Uh, the rise of pumpkin the beers again. They, they seem to go away for a little bit, and now they're uh, now they're coming back in full force. It seems like. Yeah, that's right. This is this even with like, the Benny Benaski with C, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought he was doing that on purpose because I like, like I thought he was doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought you were doing that as like a team, as no. like a team lactose like celebration <laughs> scope light thing going on. <laughs> 
Yo, like it's this little light that we just bought that it, it was just like for when we traveled to bring with us. And it happened to have these kind of cool colors. So then we started putting it in the background of videos because it looks good. And it died before, so I plugged it in, and then it just started spazzing. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna leave that out. Like, I'm <laughs> never seeing party it. light, man. Yeah, <laughs> it actually has. It's got this one setting. It's got like a police light, like actually blue and red. So you could probably put it in your car and pull somebody over. It's dangerous. Like they shouldn't let that. It's way too close to it. So like, I don't know. I wasn't sure if it was like the electricity or something, but you know, unless we might be haunted up in there. Um. Sorry to distract. Sorry, Nate. You were saying. Yeah. Sorry. The, Team Pumpkin. Oh no no that's no that no that's okay I I, I said everything like everything I needed to I was just like just saying Team Lactose Team All Pumpkin uh, but like that that pumpkin milk house uh, the, the, like like we just like I'm really really down with that idea I still haven't ha I, I still haven't had it yet I'm gonna have to uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna have to get my hands on that somehow uh, uh, yeah. this coming fall I'm I'm, I'm hoping a... you guys are gonna do it again <laughs> Oh yeah we're gonna keep that on rotation We're, we have shamrock milk house coming out here soon too for uh oh of course day, of course so. what is that what does yeah. that happen it's just got like a it's a riff on like a shamrock mcflurry or from mcdonald's so it's just the vanilla mint? chocolate shamrock and, mint and mint yeah yeah that's lit i love that yeah that's sort of fun it's funny with the um like we made the team lactose thing as a response to everyone getting so mad about milkshake IPAs and we're just like relax. So like, let's just piss everybody off and make this Twitter account and <laughs> really like ride extra hard for lactose. Obviously it's not as fun now because no one really cares. Even we don't even care that much anymore, but like, yeah, milkshake IPAs are still fun. That's it's its own little thing. And you know, milk stouts are super interesting. And, and the milk house is the milkshake IPA series. Is that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Did you give me some of those things? I swear I must have had one. It's super familiar. Maybe one. Um, it's it, like, like it's possible. I like I maybe got you a can of the OG. I think. Okay, it sounds familiar. So, just, like, what was the OG like? Vanilla. Like oh, oh, up, no, uh, no flavor. Like, uh, like uh, uh, lactose vanilla. double IPA, I think. Or, or, or yeah. it was vanilla? Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Are they around like the seven percent mark or something like that, or are they like a uh, boozy? Like eight, a, eight, three. Eight? Oh eight, shit! A three, yeah. All right, going in. I love it. Okay, uh, and ha what's the response to those? I mean, being that you're continuing to do it, I imagine it's because people are enjoying them still. And I ask that just because I feel like the um, uh, what do you call it? The milkshake IPAs situation isn't where it used to be uh, mm -hmm. as far as popularity, but I feel like there's like a niche market who just really looks forward to them, and I guess that that would probably be all four of us here. <laughs> no, I, I think yeah. the I think the response is still pretty positive with it. I mean, we <clears throat> we kind of we keep keep it limited to that series. So, the, like the, the name Milk House, we're on an old we're on an old dairy farm. So the barns mm. were were the the milk houses. Um, so we kind of wanted to do something to honor that, and I guess milkshake IPA is. We Perfect figured it was the best way to actually honor it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, it's a no, yeah, it, it, it's a fun style that we like, and we have the yeah the, the base milk house we do every so often. Then we've kind of tried doing seasonal milk houses, so we have the pumpkin spice, the shamrock, and then we're still we have plans for some other seasonal ones. Just either they haven't haven't worked out yet or. We're still uh, still waiting to release them. 
But All right. so they still coming. Yeah. Still coming, yeah, yeah. I love it. Still have, right on. Still have plans to to keep them in rotation for sure. I love that. It good. It's keeping it alive in the, in a time when like everything's yeah. <laughs> like smoothies or something. Look, I love smoothies. I just don't want to see milkshakes die because they're. Uh, I don't know. They were like one of the first fun styles, like really kind of ridiculous, fun thing with fruit and yeah. lactose and this whole new sort of thing that uh, changed sort of maybe the the way people think about beer. I feel like they almost underrated in that sense. So they kind of like came, they, they really like took over. And it's almost like they kind of like slowly slid out. So I'm yeah, seeing, yeah. yeah. And when And when they're done right, with the right amount of fruiting and the right amount of lactose, like it's pretty bomb. It's just like drinking a fucking great hopped dessert. It's like, yes. You know, but yeah. So, I mean, I, I yeah. get it. I totally get it. Yeah. No, you're a hundred, you're a hundred percent right, Cam. Cause it's uh, like, it's one of those things of, if you go a bit like, like if you go a bit too far on it, like if you're a bit heavy-handed with the lactose, uh, the, the, like our friend, uh, the, like our friend Noah, who does uh, the, like who does beerism, descri- like describes it as tasting like icing sugar, mm. um, and, yeah. like and it can definitely do that if the, 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 like if you're a bit uh, heavy-handed with the lactose, or uh, like sometimes the vanilla can have it like can have it go a bit weird, like. It, it, like like anything else, it needs to be uh, like you know it needs to be done, um, that, that, like very like very deliberately and uh, uh, like you know and you want the proportion of fruit to be uh, like to be right in it. But when it's done well, it can be re- like it can be a lot of fun and really tasty. Totally. And one thing that we tend to do too is, um, you know, everything that we have sweet, like in terms of like processed food, that you associate with sweet, almost all that has some flavor that's trying to either that is vanilla or trying to replicate vanilla so mm-hmm. people start to associate sweet with vanilla even though it's not actually sweet they're just tasting vanilla yeah uh, we realize we realized this working like or i i realized this working in the cocktail community it was a trick we used to use back in the day when we didn't want to have something super sweet but wanted to give that like hint of like yeah it's sweet but it's not actually so that's something that we do too is, you know, it's definitely not the cheapest route to go, but adding vanilla and giving that perception that it's sweet, but not going super heavy handed on lactose. So it's really not as sweet as other comparables say. It's just that vanilla yeah. is there and it's giving, it's, it's almost tricking your palate into saying, I'm super sweet, but it's not. That's yeah. a really good point. That's uh, that that's very clever, and like and like I was saying, there's something very deliberate about that that I like that I like. I mean, like you know, you guys are thinking about kind of how these different elements uh, like are experienced on the palate, and how like and how that can kind of interact to influence how like how you interpret the product. And I I feel like sweetness is one of those things that. not everyone takes super carefully, particularly with the proliferation of uh, like of haze and uh, like and whatnot. Because you know, sometimes a big, thick haze bomb will uh, like will be just really cloyingly sweet if it's not uh, like if it's not done carefully. So I like to hear that kind of um, that like I say that kind of deliberateness to uh, like to your recipe development. That's uh, like that's good to see. 
Yeah, and you know what? Anyone can borrow that so that they can be financially burdened by buying shitloads of vanilla. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, vanilla is just milking people right now. Eh? like it's just it just uh, keeps dude, going up. You might as well, speak, you might as well yeah. be hopping with gold for all matters. <laughs> Yo, it's like isn't it like probably like you have to give us figures? But I've heard around the rap, like a thousand dollars a batch of uh, vanilla for. Uh, Whatever, like a stout or, or a milkshake IPA or something like that. But like Madagascar, if you get the real beans and you do what you guys are doing, you put it in yeah. neutral. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, but, it's expensive. Thankfully, we found a supplier that now offers bulk pricing, which there uh, you go. Help, helps yeah. out significantly. Even that's what you want. Even like six months ago, it was crazy. We were trying to find coconut, and there was a worldwide coconut shortage. So there's really? a oh really. Yeah, it's it, it's not so bad anymore, thankfully. But like, a, there's a coconut plant in a town called town called Pinto, like an hour from from where we are, and that's it's it's all they do. And we'd call them. We've gotten some coconut from them in the past, and they're like, "Yeah, we're we have nothing. We're we're waiting on a delivery." And every place we called just had absolutely no coconut. It was, so that was something everyone was jacking up in price too. It's pretty, pretty decent now, I think. But uh, yeah, weird, weird things that COVID caused uh, shortages of that you wouldn't never even thought, thought about. I heard recently the raspberry puree was uh, hard to get. As well. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. I think just berry puree in general, I think, is like really? like a few different berries are like insane right now. Jeez, man, it is. It's kind of weird though when you really think about like yeah. Like these just really re- kind of what feels random things that are affected by the supply chain or whatever. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's other things. I imagine it's not supplying. It's like literal. Like what would stop coconut? Yeah, maybe even. Like, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's uh, I, I we I I don't know. I don't know if we ever got like an explanation from anyone. I think everyone, no one really yeah. knew what was going on. I don't know if it's uh, yeah, people people were just buying it quicker than. It was able to be produced, or right. I mean, maybe yeah. the, the you know some like alcohol was strange because you know when all this happened, like we didn't know what was going to like how it was going to affect it. Like, oh no! My first thought, to be honest, was like, oh maybe these like harder to get beers are going to be easier to get. But your example with the ten to twelve hundred order number basically summarized the situation. It was, everything that was already difficult to get became damn near impossible to get hold of. So I feel like the yeah, go. No, I was just gonna say like the coconut thing. Like I don't know. Like this is kind of random, but like I don't know that much about coconut. But I have to assume it's just people sit at home drinking Malibu. That's a problem. <laughs> just crack. Wow, that's a word I haven't heard for a while. With uh, we used to drink that shit when you were like twenty, type of thing, and just because it was cheap, yeah. and, like, tasted yum. You put it in anything. Yeah, and, like it's kind of strange because like I guess now that you know you look back. And people went kind of crazy, at least in that first, what, I don't know, three to six months when we didn't know what was going on and everything was certain, really, really uncertain. And people were just like, I don't know, fuck it, let's drink. And that means that you guys had to produce more. That means that probably every brewery and, and alcohol producer had to make more. And therefore, all of those ingredients that were probably pretty relatively, you know, had, didn't, didn't have any interruptions, all of a sudden, some of them became tough to get and, you know. I guess it doesn't explain like things that happened last year or whatever. Though maybe that's a supply chain stuff. But yeah, it's it's been pretty yeah. fascinating to see sort of 
the trends and stuff. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of it's it's an interesting time to be alive. I keep saying to people right now, like everything's just fucking weird and everything's strange and like, well, it always feels like we're just close to just being sort of mostly pretty back to cool. But it's just like it's just I feel like we'll look back later and we're like oh, we lived through this. This is fucking crazy. Yeah, man. for sure. And we all got fat and drank a lot. I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> That's why I'm wearing black. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> black's the only the only move, bro. Um, <laughs> should we do the triple and then we'll um, we'll at least crack it talk yeah, about it we, we got it we got to do we have thing. to do it because it's oh, the yeah, episode we it. we've gone this far like, <laughs> it's the episode name right true um, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go Nate you go grab it I'll, I'll, and we'll swap I'll go grab it in a sec okay. so uh, once again so this is a 10% ish or 10 exactly uh, uh, 10 10.2 Ten point two, um, and uh, so I was, you know, Nate and I were talking before. I've never historically been a, a huge fan of triple IPAs just because I, I feel like it's always such high ABV stuff, and I, if I'm having multiple beers, I don't know if I can always handle them. But when they're done so well, it's um, you, sometimes you, you don't even notice uh, how a, uh, you know, you can't really taste the booze so much, and they, oh fuck, look at that, that looks incredible. I'm gonna go grab mine now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to run and grab. I'll be too sick. You guys, uh, should I wait till Nate gets back? Yeah. I'll wait till Nate gets back. Um, yeah, tell, yeah us about, tell, tell us about this one, fellas. So yeah, this is our first, the first triple IPA we ever made. Um, we've been wanting to make a triple IPA, like, since, since we kind of started. And I don't know if it was, was it like a Google review or... There's a review somewhere where someone was talking about Willibald and then someone commented, like, where the fuck is air? Uh, so we were always kind of just joking about that after. And we're like, okay, well, it, 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 we're like, this has got to be a beer, a beer name at some point. Because, like, it's just, it, it's too good not to be. So, uh, That's yeah, so our, our friend Aaron, um, our friend Aaron, who's a photographer, he's, based in Toronto, but we grew up with him, went to high school with him. Uh, he does a lot of the photography for us at the farm. So depending on the can that you have, it's a, the four packs are all four different labels, four different photos oh, of air. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think we have the water tower, the sign, uh, Victoria park, the big, the big park in air. And then the Nith river, which is the, the river that kind of runs through air. So four kind of iconic spots in air that <laughs> Icon. I, iconic, yeah. In, in, in a town of like it is now, goddamn. Yeah, when we grew up, it was only a few thousand people. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the how this beer came yeah, so about this, for the most part. This is so that's the sign. Okay, is that the one? Yeah. I think I think that's what I have too. Okay, so that's the that's the sign one, and then there's. Do we all have? Did any of us have different ones? I know Joe has the no, sign one too. Yeah, the sign one. Grab them from yeah. the restaurant fridge. So that was the sign one. Nate, what's your can looking like? So this is what mine's looking like. Oh, Looks like an aerial oh, view. Well, well that's the river. We got a drone shot. We got a drone shot. I'm gonna grab mine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're just saying, and, uh, uh, Nate, that we had the we have the sign one, so 
right just talking about how they're all different and we every four packs one of each four different photos from there oh i love that and what are the and what are the other two um so we have the, the water tower mm-hmm. and what's the other and one the victoria, victoria park it's another it's another drone image of like the the main park in air okay uh, that, that we all used to hang out at shoot shoot golf balls not necessarily play baseball but at least play golf in. <laughs> oh that's cool i love that yeah and uh, and yeah. How, uh how big is air like how many people i don't know how many it is now what like what do you think it's almost seven thousand, i think right now Okay. Um, when we were growing up, so Joe, Joe and I were actually like elementary school friends when we were like, so we used to hang out when we were back when we were like, you know, 10, 12, there was probably 3,500 people that lived there. So it's it's almost doubled in the last, you know, roughly 20 years. Right. Yeah. It's more of like a, it's like a commuter city. There's not a ton going on in air as far as like i think downtown there's probably more dental offices and uh like lawyer offices than, than anything and it's because it's close right. to the highway but because it's close to the 401 like now there's been a lot of people wanting to move there and a lot of a lot of subdivisions are being built now and a lot of just younger people who <clears throat> let's say are getting forced out of kitchener waterloo or toronto and then moving farther and farther west Right. But yeah, it's been uh it's it's like forced out of Kitchener. I hadn't heard that well, before. It, it's that bad, even, eh? Even like even even Kitchener Waterloo is getting crazy expensive now. Yeah. For like um, both both purchasing homes and even rental to rent eh? getting uh I'd yeah. heard like obviously everyone went to um I have a friend who used to live in Hamilton and she moved to St. Catharines because she said that all the Toronto people moved to Hamilton, forced some people from Hamilton out, and then they moved to kind of St. Catharines, so it just keeps going like further and further yeah. west. Um but I yeah. imagine you're right, I can see that you know, Kitchener Waterloo, Guelph kind of larger areas, Cambridge too, and Branford and all those other kind of towns, like everyone just keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed and uh yeah, as the prices keep I'll going back, up. I'll, I'll be back just range. in a second while you're pouring there. See, because I just I just want to grab a picture of this one. Yeah, mate, do that. Look at that content over everything. Sorry, Cam. <laughs> no, no, I just feel like as the prices go up, the uh, accept, acceptable distance that people are willing to drive greatly increases. <laughs> yeah, and look, I guess that's sort of like part of the game. Like, uh, it's it's you gotta sacrifice something, right? It's like you sacrifice location or you sacrifice um, uh, the price. It's one of the two. So you're either gonna pay more to live closer, or you're gonna sort of be like, oh well, we'll have a car, so you go somewhere mm-hmm. else. Yeah, we're we're dealing with that right now. We're trying to figure out what we want to do. I want to talk to you guys off air about it because we're looking at where you're at, uh, Joe. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting just even looking at the prices there. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, good. Okay, oh, you go. Like, it, it's like everything, because Toronto is, all our family's there. So we're like looking at Toronto yeah. and, then, and everything sells for 200 over. And then, but, oh, but, yeah. the, but the entry the entry point is already insane. And then if you kind of go out a little further, the entry point is lower, but it still sells for one to 200 over. And I'm like, oh, yeah. 
I didn't realize, man. Like, I'm like looking at it recently. I'm like, fucking hell. Like, I, I, I don't know what, I didn't even know what the hell's happening out there. It's, it's, it's pretty Oh, bonkers. dude. Yeah, like, I, our, I, our long term plan, yurt, distillery, done. <laughs> Just living in yurt. <laughs> it's the only way to, it's the only way to make that shit work, you know? Like, uh, I think yurt, yurt might be the move. You know, one room. Who needs yeah. space? Space is for chumps. Easy um, to heat. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to heat, oh, exactly. Yeah. Fuck, man. I, I moved here just like a year and a half ago, and the, the difference from when I moved here to pricing now is like just insane. insane. Can't, like, can't believe it. Is that, I imagine it's all because of what's going on, right? Like obviously people want, when you're sort of locked, locked into one place for a significant amount of time, you decide that yeah we should actually some space might be nice and then you go further out and yeah, exactly. Hamilton is the next you know on the west side that makes sense from yeah. Toronto and then okay yeah, yeah I, 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 go. What, what? oh sorry no you go please oh no when I first yeah when I first moved back I was living in in Toronto commuting from Toronto and then my uh, with COVID my girlfriend was working from home and um we just wanted more more space compared to what we had in in the city and it made sense here and it was a kind of have the commute which was nice too so uh i feel yeah, like I, we, it's I, a nice I, I love it here now okay interesting yeah i feel like hamilton's a cool spot because it's got like i'm we're in, we're like in uh right in what uh, the hipster neighborhood i guess you want to call it of uh, montreal and myland so like I'm yeah. not I'm a few blocks from Judas CL and from all the fire cafes and the brunch spots and, and whatever. And we used to have a client in, in Hamilton. Well, they had a, a place in Hamilton and I, I remember being right next door to them. They had a third way coffee is real. That's why we were creaming over detour. Like your mate and I beat into coffee. It sounds like you guys are too. So third wave cafes are very important to me personally to be near the crib. So like I remember being in Hamilton, there was one right, Burrito Boys was our client. So right next to the Burrito Boys was a, I started with R, I forgot the name of the place, but it was as good as anything in Montreal. And I was like, yo, Hamilton, yeah. okay, bro, all right. <laughs> uh, like, like wild impressed with the, with the fact that I feel like the only places I could ever live, they have to have some fire cafes because breweries are everywhere, I think. God, like it doesn't matter where you go. Small town, yeah. such as the beautiful air. You know, it doesn't matter where you go. You've got fire brews, but like not every place has a, uh, a phenomenal third wave. So I like that Hamilton has like, is really sort of come up in that way. And I imagine that's kind of the way that I hope it's not just because of gentrification. Cause I know that's not necessarily a positive thing all the way, but having those type of businesses are, uh, I don't know. It's it gives a different vibe to sort of an area, maybe a place like Hamilton that maybe wasn't as cool ten years ago or something has really yeah. like come a long way. Oh yeah, I'm like a like another like I'm a ten minute walk from a new ghost ghost station that opened, so I can get to Toronto in an hour on on the go, and I don't have to worry about commuting. Exactly. So I mean, you're you're out of the city, but you're not too too far far hmm. out and. You can you can come and go fairly easily too. Okay. If you want to get back to Toronto or yeah, it, it, it it's been a nice middle ground because yeah, Kitchener Waterloo, Guelph's only half an hour, forty minutes away, and Toronto's forty minutes 
if I drive too. So sounds like perfect. I love it. Yeah. I know I distracted from uh, I know I distracted from this. Did we talk about the beer? Yeah, let's talk about the beer. So yeah, got, what do you guys think? Oh, like first of all, this it looks fucking good. Look at that, Oof, yeah. mate. That yeah. is just yeah. murky. Isn't that gorgeous? Look at that. And the head, honestly, every single beer, the head has just been meringue. It's it's insane. Whatever you're doing, it's magic. Just fucking get it in your voice. Cheers. Mm. Yeah, we've been. Uh, God damn. Yeah, Ooh. we we brewed, we brewed this beer a handful handful of times now. I think it's fairly happy where where it's at as far as like triple IPAs go. Like I feel like like a lot of the other hoppy beers we do, they're not too cloying or sweet, even though they can kind of tend to be. Mm-hmm. Um, not yeah. that a triple IPA is like necessarily sessionable, but it's no. one you can maybe drink like drink a little more than one before you're too exhausted from it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah. it's just a fun one with, with, with the name and uh, uh, yeah. No, I, 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 I love the name. It's, I, I, I love the name. It's like, it, like it's just cheeky enough, but it's uh, like, like, but also just kind of recognizing that, like, like you know, it's like it's a small town that, like, that almost no one is gonna, yeah. like, is going to have heard of. And like, that's probably a question you get all the time: is where the fuck is air, right? Oh, we said it just while yeah, you were grabbing the beer. Exactly. Uh, the boys were just saying it was like some of the the reviews, like the people were saying. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So you nailed it. No, but that's a great guess. You nailed it. I, I thought, yeah. because Nate said this in the email, and I hadn't seen this beer, and I didn't know where you guys were based. So I thought Air was like a, a person. I thought like maybe it was like a guy <laughs> who worked there or something. Like, where is he? He's always on Smoko or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's the other question we get. What the fuck is Air? What? <laughs> like, what is it? It's actually a really like cool name for a town, to be honest. Like, it's dope. Yeah. I feel like it's you guys are Scottish. Um, There's actually a uh, Scottish town as well that has the same name, and there were a lot of Ske- uh, Scottish settlers uh, in the what? community around the Nith River back in the day. Nith also being Scottish name, uh, and that's where the name comes from. Ooh. I see. Okay. I love uh, so, 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 so talking about the uh, like about the beer here. So yeah. Citra Galaxy uh, um, uh, Amarillo. Um, Glorious for a triple, uh, like for a triple IPA with ga- uh, like with Galaxy, it is really not assaulting the palate at all, and uh, like in Galaxy can certainly uh, can certainly do that at times. Mm. Were you uh, like were you um, was there any tweaking of the hop profile to like to get kind of that uh, like that smooth kind of not really assaulting the palate sort of thing? Yeah, like it. I think maybe the first batch we went heavy on the galaxy uh and then now the like prior batches we've kind of toned it down a little bit because yeah i, I think galaxy at least we we haven't been loving it as much as we kind of used to it can kind of be hit or miss especially now and can be just too much and kind of a, a turn off in the beer so we've there's still a lot of galaxy in it but it's primarily like citra focused i'd say compared to anything else just to yeah just so it's not as aggressive and it can have those weird flavors and aroma that yeah just off can be off-putting even though yeah yeah the the hop shouldn't shouldn't be necessarily doing those but 
Yeah. I'm definitely getting like, there's a little bit of like the booze is hidden so well, which is like the hallmark of a uh, one-way triple IPA. Um, I'm getting a little bit of like herbal, maybe grassy kind of vibes in here. I feel like there's like a wicked dankness that's been obviously in both of the, uh, the hoppy beers we've had, which just works so well. Like I've really, I feel like it's, you know, with like obviously New England IPAs, they can sort of be just like bright and super tropical or there's kind of like this, like this is more that like the East meets West type of thing where you've kind of got this straight up. It's, a, it's a, obviously a New England, that East Coast IPA with nobody that uses that term anymore. But this, the dankness in there just adds such an interesting element to it with, with different sort of flavor notes, like those herbal, floral, grassy type of things alongside the bright tropical type of thing. Which is fantastic. Yeah, this is this is just kind of like hop nectar is like kind of how I've always uh, viewed it. I'm gonna write it's that down. Like the best way. Cam yeah. <laughs> um, says well, hop just, well, just, well, just because just like like even the body, the texture of it, everything, you're yeah. starting to get a little bit more like viscous just based off of like the weight of the beer and everything else. That it kind of just feels fitting, and that's just mm. like how how I've always visualized it. And you know, you know what you were saying about the kind of like grassy herbaceous. This is a note that. You know, Joe and I and the rest of the crew have talked about it in depth because we find that Galaxy actually has been a big contributor of that flavor to mm. some of our beers. And that was part of the um, impetus to, to tone that back, bring forward a little bit more of that citrus and, yeah, some of those other notes and let them shine. Yeah, citrus. I'm definitely getting a little bit of that sort of like a little bit of citrusy vibes in there too, actually, now you mention it. It's just, uh, it's such an interesting style. I feel like I'm, I'm, like I said, the only reason I don't, I don't particularly g- gravitate towards them is just the ABV. It's literally it for volume reasons. Because if I have this, you're like, oh, fuck, well, that's it for me. Totally. But I was like, all right, well, yeah, yeah. I've had all of these tonight. Obviously, I'm finishing everything, so let's see how she goes. But uh, you know, <laughs> like when the that's so nice to drink one because sometimes I, I'm not a, uh, I don't like tasting the booze through. The, the, the ABV and obviously all of the beers that we've had so far, particularly starting with the first one, you know, if you can't taste, like even Nate said, Nate, you didn't know it was 6.5 until the boys brought it up yeah. with the export lager, which I think is a testament to, to the to the quality of what you guys do. Um, and, and this is just A1 uh, level triple IPAs. And this is this this is what, this type of thing, this, this makes me want to drink more of the style. This is phenomenal. This is really, really fucking good, man. Love. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. I mean, and if there's one thing I can say from Joe, even like removing myself from this equation and more so just looking on it, like what he does, you know, I would say that, you know, one of the things that I've always been impressed in as just like an appreciator of beer drinking the things that he's created has been his ability to hide alcohol, um, mm. specifically in the dippas. Mm. Um, I find that our dippas are like, scary and you know full disclosure <laughs> yeah. i write a lot of the instagram posts and well, i you. end up okay. being like fuck i'm repeating myself over and over yeah but i think it's like a, i think i think it's a valid point and i think it's something that doesn't happen um enough and he's very good at it and he'll never pump his own tires so i feel like i have to so that's right yeah. <laughs> dude that's awesome do you like? Do you write the like? Who writes the um, description of the beer? Like, say on Untapped or anything like that. Is that where's that come from? Or do you not put anything on Untapped? Uh, no, <clears throat> it's normally Jory, uh, our other partner Jory, and I will handle the Untapped. Just 
putting beers up, but we can you all the descriptions, all, all, all the yeah, all the descriptions, tasting notes. Like Cam has the best palate out of all of us, and he's nice. the one that kind of takes care of all that. So I I don't know about that, but that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel you though, man. Like because I write these little reviews all the time. I know Nate does a lot of reviews, you know, and that I guess is a part of all of what we do, you know, like we're all talking about beer all the time and it does feel extraordinarily repetitive. I'm like, how many times? Because like the beer, like it's not a bad thing that the beer, if the beers are all not similar, when I say that I'm talking like industry wide, like New England IPA is a fucking yeah. New England IPA, right? So if, it, if I'm saying it tastes like mango or pineapple or it's dry or it's chalky or it's smooth or whatever, that's a good thing. It's not, not a bad thing. It's just kind of funny though. Sometimes I'm writing, I'm like, do people think I'm an idiot? Like I just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's yeah. any other words that I can use to describe to be like, I don't want to be too fancy. Oh, dude. You know what I mean? The amount of time I spell, I spent going through a fucking thesaurus. That's another <laughs> way to say that. Oh, yeah. Like, For real? Uh, absolutely. I'm sorry, but like, I, I like to... Oh, I like to read, but I'm not well-read enough. My vocabulary is not wide enough for me to honestly own that. It, it, I, I work at it, man. It's not. That's it's not. Amazing. I don't come by it honestly. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's a very good point, and I, I like, and I run into that as well. Like with the, like, like with writing kind of like tasting notes for like for beers, I find New England IPAs have started to be the ones that I have the hardest time. Yeah. writing tasting notes for because they're, like like totally. because they're all so similar exactly like you said cam it's like you really struggle to find different descriptors sometimes um it's it's one of the ones that's like that's the most difficult on that because it, it, like it's kind of the differences are a lot more subtle if they're mm -hmm. like if there are any to be found it like it can be really tricky to kind of find different uh, different wording at times they, they like they become the hardest ones to write about <laughs> oh dude fluffy pillowy soft <laughs> like fuck like cloud yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like maybe have the beer coming out just called fluff because i think we were just tired of talking about it and we're just like fuck you we're just gonna yep. call it that <laughs> yo like I guess we're all dealing with it. I feel like we don't talk. That's why I'm thinking this is so funny because I feel like we don't talk about, like I don't talk about how difficult it is to write about New England IPAs. So this is like really fucking funny to know that like you are having trouble doing that as the, as from the brewery side, Joe, you're not even laughing. So I feel yeah. like you're just like, whatever, bro. I don't give a fuck. Like I just make this shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, that, I mean, no, that's hilarious. Like, you know, I love you're that. getting different you're obviously getting different notes from the hops and stuff, right? Course, but like yeah, also yeah. at a point it just becomes like, okay, man, this is like uh, flavor masturbation at a point, you know? And, I, and I've actually also just started really cutting it back and just being like, you know, I'm going to provide very basic notes on this beer. Yeah. I'm going to move on because yep. I'm going to let people form their opinion because they're going to say you it. Try one of our double IPAs. You kind of have an idea of where it's going to fall. And I'll let you decide where you think it lands. I think that's almost like more fair to do it that way, to just like let people, let people's palate, you know, at this point, anyone who's drinking these type of beers has had multiple of these type of beers for the most part. So they know what's up. They know what to expect. I'm like, all right, this is money. Yeah. You know, you can tell that this beer is an exceptional 
uh, version of the style. So you're like, all right, cool. It doesn't even matter at that point because it's you know, it's really all about just finding the best sort of ones. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing about beer because there is a style. I mean, if you look think of BJCP, like everyone's trying to go for something that's determined that that's what it is. So technically, if everything was following the BJCP, then all the reviews of every fucking beer ever would be exactly the same. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting approach to even have to, it's even weird that there's beer media. I still think to this day, it's just such a strange thing that there's a thing, but it's, but people care about it and we do it and we care about it. And, and, and you guys oh, have to dude. write. Isn't it just weird? You, yeah, you think that's weird, man. The, the whiskey world, I find it even more hilarious. It was just a bunch of yeah. like even older white dudes so <laughs> confident about what they taste trying whiskey. And I'm sitting there being like, I mean, like, I get it, but you should be a writer because really what you're talking about is a narrative, <laughs> not a fucking flavor. So like, get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes, I've seen some people do, I've heard, I've seen a bunch of memes of people like reviewing like whiskey and bourbon and stuff. And I hadn't really followed into that world so much. So that's actually, I feel like maybe the beer world's a bit more chill because it's a little more accessible than maybe like the whiskey yeah. world. Cause I guess it's a lot of high profile, uh, high valued things it's, that maybe harder to get. Yeah. It's one notch. It's one notch below wine. <laughs> right. Wine. As far as the, <laughs> I'm glad we're not involved in the wine world. Cause that shit seems like intense as fuck. That, yeah. <laughs> like like it, it, it seems, like the wine, like the wine world can be on a whole other level, and like I only, like we only just see snippets, snippets of it from where, like from the slight areas of overlap in the, like in the beer world, that it mm. seems like a whole other thing. Yeah, my uh, my partner has a, a wine account, so because of that and wine and spirits, so when we sort of you know combine that with the beer, we do it all together. So that's how we know the Rosewood dudes, and that's the ones who tell us about you guys, and even them, like being that they do the shot and they not in all oak or whatever the rule was they not vqa so like when we met you guys know ryan and will right like you guys actually met them oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well i was i was talking to will today actually and Sick. and he's a great guy uh obviously going through a lot right now being ukrainian and what's going on but I uh yeah, so i feel yeah. for him and what's going on over there uh but ryan too you know ryan is like the greatest guy i the, his palate is phenomenal uh if you want to talk about people who know their shit like you know ryan and will they know their shit and it's been really impressive to see that um brand kind of grow because it's they've kind of taken the craft beer approach to wine which has become i think yeah 100 more common but right. they were they were the first in ontario before a lot of before pretty much anyone else in ontario was doing it and Big time. you know it's a very that's a very brave thing to be that first person and put your neck out there in wine mm. that is a very can be a very stuffy space yes uh and they really made their own and you know kudos to them because what they do is killer yeah 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 we had him on in like 2017 and uh when we first first met ryan he was wearing a stone city hat you know, for a brewery in kingston so we go to this winery and this dude is wearing a fucking a craft beer hat and his approach to stuff was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And you're right, you're exactly right. Like they were taking risks in that world that maybe wasn't so acceptable at the time. And they kind of led the way. And they were the ones, like anyone's buying grape must and stuff is coming from them. 
like you know they were the ones basically like, any basically anyone in the province you like using grape mustard like or even honey anyone honey. like anyone using honey almost yeah. anywhere in ontario it's from rosewood like why would you do anything else yeah. like they're they're the goats like they really are and i respect that so much and i love seeing that uh it's so cool just to see like the don't you know because even you taste their wines like, wow this is unlike anything i've ever had because of them mm -hmm. you know their, their their approach to it and then the fact that they're so down like with all the breweries like you know the fact that you guys know i'm talking to them today like that that really just shows like how close to beer they are and it's like such a rare thing and it's like i think it's a beautiful thing about that part of the world like that specific part of ontario i mean obviously they, they moved beyond that but like because of that i feel like there's just so much creativity and ingenuity coming out of it as far as the approach to just new products new things that, that's happening agreed oh, yeah, and that's why when you know this is getting off topic a little bit but you know that's why well i mean i guess your podcast is beer and other shit so i feel like this is fitting but that's part of the reason why you know when we we came up with the sangria idea it only made sense to do it with them because you guys the they do a red wine sangria oh, with in the in the bag yeah. 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 Bag, yeah. With your gym? We were dying laughing, being Will and I talking on the phone in 2020, just being like, yo, what do you think of the idea? idea Bagnum? Some like, that's <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> so that was a collab. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Always been, uh, we, we came to the table together and, and had come up with that idea and find a way to work together. And that just kind of Get worked fucked. out. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to, but they're the perfect person to do it, and part of the reason was because like there weren't many wineries too that were going to take a risk on that. Mm. You know, Will and Ryan mm. were like, we're it, really. Uh, uh, no, there's no one else on the wine just being sick. You know, hundred percent. Like, there's yeah. a lot of phenomenal wineries out there, but obviously not like most people are sort of a little more straight, you know, straight and narrow. Like, you know, do what what, what traditionally yeah. is done, and that's fine. But I think that like what they bring into the scene to allow. I did not realize, honestly, I had no idea that's fucking amazing. Because that concept, people who don't know, it was literally, like you said, a bag, and I'm like a bag, a, they had a big one, they had small ones of sangria. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. A, yeah. In Fun a bag. size and bag numbers. It's just, it's the most ridiculously <laughs> awesome. I don't know, like I feel like Nate and I are really big on like, I don't know, I like, innov we like innovation in beer. I just think it's really interesting when people try doing things outside of the norm and just throw shit at the wall. And sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. And I feel like that exactly. from a winery takes more balls than doing anything like in the beer world. That, that I don't think there's anything as Definitely. crazy in the beer world in equivalent to that because the wine people have there's a well, you know more of a culture around it has been around a lot. Well, maybe it hasn't been around a lot longer, but the how do I do, you know you know what I'm trying to say? Like the snootiness around wine without pretentiousness, no shade, but wine people know it's pretentious as fuck, and that's okay. I love going to wineries. It's fun as hell. And Niagara is one of my favorite oh. places in the world for that. Like, it's got some of the best wineries in the country. So, but like, yeah, to be able to have the guts to go and make something as ridiculous as a bag of sangria with a local <laughs> <laughs> spirit in a distiller. I love that. I it's, fucking love that. It, it's I, so funny. Are you guys doing it again for this summer? Please yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, nice. to release. We're mixing it up a little bit this year. We're going to continue doing bags, but there's going to be another element to this. Not my story to tell, so I'm going to leave it at that. But yeah. Okay. 
All right, I love that. Honestly, that's it. Like, that's just genuinely exciting as hell. Like, it's just cool, man. Like, you guys are like not only pushing the, the what's what's that? What's the term? I'm. I guess I've had triple IPAs now. What's it called? Like pushing the fucking pushing boundaries. Boundaries. There you go. On uh, on on beer and all the things that you're doing, but like you know, dealing. I, I honestly did not know it was a collab with you guys. It makes it even cooler to me. So like, yeah. working with that and, and doing, you know, have you got any any collabs coming or anything you can talk about with them in the beer side where you're using any of their products in the beer, or have you done that in the past? Uh, nothing yet. I mean, we're it's definitely an option. No, we do. We have we have uh, uh, some of the barrel products we do in the back was on Grey Bus, remember? Oh shit, we do. Sorry, yeah, you're right. This is, yeah, this is uh, it's a lot of stuff. Is, yeah, it, it, it was a what two Februarys ago. Yeah, it's it's part of our. Uh, yeah, it's almost two years old. Some, <laughs> yeah, we we grabbed some Grey Bus from them and then fermented on just like the the native yeast that was already on and we threw it all into a fermenter and uh yeah it's sitting back in the barn just we've been waiting for another harvest to kind of grab it grab some more grapes like fresh and then throw it on there and release it at some point where we can get the mixed culture program really uh dialed in and and going but yeah they've been yeah they're they're awesome people and yeah, they're 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 fun to work with for sure. That's sick, man. Nice. Yeah, it just keeps it interesting, man. Like, uh, look, it seems like that's a bit of a theme to what you guys are doing, and uh, I I just really think what you guys are contributing to the scene is, is super valuable and just fun and consistently dope. Like these four beers were genuinely a one fire. Um, everything I've ever had from you guys is insane and that's why i was so stoked to have you guys on to just you know get the story and to you know i know we kept you like an hour after we said we would so I'm, i apologize um this oh, is like okay a really dope convo I, I appreciate both your time man like was there anything else we wanted to make sure we touched on before we wrap her up uh anybody or we uh we feel good i'm oh, feeling good I'm guys good. this was a this was a genuine pleasure to have you on yeah man for real yeah. Yeah, we should definitely do this again sometime soon. It was so I would great. love that. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you for all the kind words you shared. Um, you know, it's been a real pleasure to be here, and, and including us and everything great that you guys are doing. So thank you. It's an honor, man. For real. Uh, I'm, I'm going to definitely come through and see you guys this, uh, it, whatever, whether it's between, somewhere between now and the summer. Now I know where you guys are. Now I know where the fuck area is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if you're in Toronto, let me know. I'm yes, off, I'm also in Toronto. So you're in Toronto. Okay, um, I think we're going to be there this month at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. Um, I, do you know what? Just before we do the wrap up, let's take the screenshot. We take a screenshot for the, uh, oh, the yeah. thumbnail. So we're going to hold up, hold up some of the beers. Uh, let me see what I can fit in my hand here. Yeah, fuck you. Let's get these bad boys. <laughs> You never get it right. It's so hard to put. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Don't block that pretty face, Joe. Oh, Cam, too. Look at you guys. All right, ready? Oh, that was stunning. Right. Make sure I got it. Um, boys, where can everybody find Willabold online, in person, on the website? Where can everyone yeah. uh, drink? Drinkwillabold.com. Drink Willabald or at Drink Willabald on Instagram, Willabald Farm Distillery and Brewery on Facebook. And that is it. That is it. I love it. 
Um, we're going to wrap this up. Stick around when I wrap it up and we can just finish up on the, uh, the end of the call. I uh, appreciate you both. Thank Fucking you. legends. I knew you would be. Nathaniel, where can everyone find you online? You pretty bastard. Uh, so on every social platform, it's at Nathan Does Beer. Uh, you can also find me on the BAOS podcast blog. Uh, quick link to all of my blogs is NathanDoesBeer.com. And you can find me occasionally here co-hosting BAOS podcast. Yes, sir. So the next three weeks, we've got Nate in the building. So we've got that. Uh, once again, everyone, thank you so much. Appreciate you all. Guys, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new drops. Oh, you're supposed to say ding, aren't you? Yeah, you, yeah, you didn't let I, me. I cut, you just, I you just you plowed right on through there, you fucking wow. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a minute. I apologize. Uh, then what do I say? Uh, so you know that you know, follow us on social media at BOS Podcast. Check out the low form audio. We drop every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, give us a five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that bullshit. It helps us a ton. We will see you in the next episode. Fucking get it in, you boys. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Cheers.